Hey, what's going on? It's Quinn David Furness, host, creator, writer of, producer, electrician, best boy, etc., etc., of Quinn David Furness presents the Beantown Podcast, the People's Podcast, one of Baltimore City's top 500 podcasts. Well, folks, friends, fans, we made it. The year one best in show special review if you're here thank you if you're whether you're a new listener or you're with us from day one this podcast officially launched on january 13th 2018 and uh we're very excited to be able to bring you this best of year one special um this was a lot of work Uh, not only editing you know close to 40 hours of material down into one special but also just the technological aspects of it and you guys remember from the christmas day stream uh, the computer going through some surgery and it's it's fine it's in recovery still but uh, a lot of the technical technical aspects of it um, were frustrating at times. I laughed, I cried, I bled. I had a freak screwdriver accident trying to boost my RAM, if you will. Do a little Sean McVay action there. But uh, everything is hopefully uh, up to speed here. So what are you going to be listening to in the next four and a half, five hours? Well, we took... Um, just about every episode and special is represented here. There are a couple, maybe five or six episodes, uh, and maybe one or two specials that didn't make the cut. Um, but I promise you, I listened to everything and decided what do I really want to include in this year one special and what is okay to leave out and be left to the bowels of year one history. But we've got guests we've got friends there are songs uh for the first time ever on the beantown podcast there are special sound effects anytime we transition uh between clips you're going to hear a sound effect later on in the show uh we get more into jingles transitioning uh between our our clips here so uh it was a lot of fun uh pretty goofy um spent a ton of time on this Uh, So hopefully you can appreciate some of that work. But we start right from the beginning and we move uh, towards the end of the year. We start with uh, our first ever introduction to our first ever episode and we end with uh, West Virginia and uh, Salami. So uh, that's what's going to be taking place in the next four and a half, five hours. Uh, anytime you hear one of those sound effects or jingles, it means we're moving to a new clip. Most of the time, it's one clip per episode. There are a couple episodes, though, where we have um, two different clips from one episode that we include. Those will still be separated by jingles. Uh, so you're probably about to hear about, I don't know, 50 to 60 distinct clips, varying lengths, you know, short as under one minute, as long as 15 minutes. So uh, we're going to try to get some timestamps below in the comments here so you can jump around easily, make it a little bit more user-friendly. But uh, I hope everyone enjoys. Um, I will come back to you at the end, uh, sing a little 
end of the year song. And uh, next week, we'll begin year two. So without further ado, I hope everyone enjoys the year one in review special. Let's go ahead and get started. This is Quinn. Welcome to the Beantown Podcast. Coming to you live from 817 St. Paul Street here in beautiful Baltimore, Maryland, where it is a casual and cool 35 degrees outside. What's going on? How are you? Welcome one, welcome all to the inaugural Beantown podcast. Uh, Got to tag this with uh, listener discretion. Uh, portions of the podcast will contain inappropriate language. Other portions are just uh, objectively terrible to listen to. So there is your tag. Purpose of this podcast is not to be entertaining not pretending to be a comedian so i apologize for that honestly what i'm doing here is just sort of more of a journaling experience for my life for things that are happening around me so hopefully i can look back at some point in the future and uh you know give it a listen see what's been happening i know myself and you know i was raised my siblings were the same way to, to to write in your journal every day, come up with things that are happening, kind of a, a time capsule sort of thing. And I I think my oldest brother still journals um, here and there as far as I'm aware. But I know myself, and I know that I don't take time to write things down or really remember stuff that's been going on, but there have been a, a couple occasions uh, in my life, uh, one that comes to mind is when I was an orientation leader in my undergrad experience a couple of years back, and they had us write a letter to ourselves at like the beginning of our training period in the spring, and then um, basically, you can see where this is going, we seal the letters, we open them back up, like, I don't know if it was like six months or a year later, it just kind of gives you a sense of what was on your mind, what's going on, what's important to you at that point in your life, what are you passionate about, and I don't know, it just, it's a very interesting emotion that, uh, that you get from reading letters to yourself, um, and that's something that I would love to take advantage of more. So consider this me, uh, consider this my, uh, my letters to myself and for anyone else out there, uh, who's, who's listening. Thanks for listening. I won't keep you too long. This isn't going to be uh, an hour long spiel. Probably rarely will it even hit, you know, half an hour, but just here to talk, uh, it's pretty loose. There's not much of a script or an outline. We're just kind of hanging out, just talking, seeing uh, what's been going on in the past week. So got a couple things I uh, 
I want to touch on here today. First and foremost, I want to thank uh, one of my best friends, Matthew Fiedler. Uh, didn't necessarily come up with a project, but, uh, you know, talked to me about it and, and encouraged me to to go for it. And I bought a, a microphone here. We got a Samsung, what is this? The, the 250 Samsung, not Samsung. It's the, it's the knockoff brand. It's like that episode of uh, Seinfeld where they're in Florida and they're doing the tip calculators and they and Kramer gets them the the knockoff tip calculators from uh oh man. Is it Bob Sacamano's father or something like that? It's good stuff and Clompus is pissed and Ah, that's a good episode. I uh I will watch that later today and I'll report back to you. But uh this is already using a pseudonym, so this works. This is Renee from uh, Renee. Isn't that uh, uh, Ren? That's the the girl from Even Stevens. What a show! Um, a few quick questions for you. So this is going to be like a lightning round sort of thing. If I'm if I'm reading this correctly, um, <laughs> I'll look at these questions. Okay, here we go. Uh, you're going to get your money's worth. If a guy sets up a pyramid of empty soda cans and knocks them over with a karate chop, but only his brother is visible at the time, who gets in trouble? <laughs> I have firsthand experience with that. It's the <laughs> the guy who didn't knock them over. If you were 4'11 and 75 pounds, I know someone like that, what would it take to convince you to agree to your unlimited backyard football with a couple of six-plus-footers. Uh, we were not six-plus feet at the time, uh, but that is a timely question because I wrote uh, as part of my uh, 2017 has been like a uh, series of Facebook statuses from back in December. If you didn't check it out, I encourage you to go look at it. There's some good uh, tidbits in there, all truthful. Um, it's on my personal Facebook page, Quinn Furness. Um uh, probably a ring pop. Uh, there's this kid in my class who dresses up like a different animated character each day. I can't help but stare. What do I do? Um, take pictures, post them on Facebooks, and get a cease and desist letter from her father, who is a lawyer. Next question. My eight-year-old nephew is obsessed with his metallic beanie. He wants to wear it all the time. Should I encourage his good taste or cut him off? He is eight after all. Um... Uh, answer, uh, make him swim the 500 fly. Uh, last question. My roommate keeps trying to burn notebooks in our backyard wearing nothing but slippers, yellow shorts, and a helmet. How do I tell him it's just not working? My yellow shorts are legendary, and um, I'm looking at them right now. They're sitting over the back of my chair. Uh, this is a real question. If you go to uh, my YouTube page, which is, I believe, Quinn Furness, um, you can see those yellow shorts, that helmet in action. Um, I won't tell that whole story of the burning the notebook, but uh, essentially I paid 80 bucks for uh, this collection of loose leaf uh, or like PDF printed pages you could have accessed online in two clicks uh, if he would have given you access to it. That was my lovely uh, professor from grad school who I... Uh, I'm not a fan of. Uh, let's uh, let's let's keep it to that. Um, but to answer your question, how do I tell him it's just not working? Um, I would say it's it's too thick. That's probably what I would say. Um, Tuesday night, I had Russian food at a Russian restaurant. 
for the first time in my life. Never been to a Russian restaurant before. I had a friend from grad school who was in town. Uh, that was that was fun. Um, and you know, I, I think the the uh, the kind of default thing here on the podcast would be to just tell a bunch of lame Russian jokes. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to like just resort to a bunch of stereotypes. Um, if I just you know told those jokes, I, I would just be stalling the whole time. So. Um, I I did while I was um, at the restaurant. You know, there were some people at the bar talking, and um, I try to avoid spoilers. Um, you know, for for major movies, TV shows, that sort of thing. I did unfortunately um, have my favorite like uh, competition game show spoiled for me. You know, I've been pulling uh, for for Ivan uh, this entire season on Dancing with the Czars, but I heard that he had a terrible performance and uh, he got kicked off. So. They lopped his head right off, just like in the old days. Uh, you know, hashtag hasta la vista, counselor, am I right? Um, but, you know, it came time to, to order the food. I, What the hell do I know about Russian food? I know you got the, the potatoes and latkes. Is that a Russian thing? I, I don't know. It, it sounds like it might be. Um, couldn't decide, honestly, if I wanted, you know, something sweet, something savory, Um it's your classic stuck between a rock bottom and off in a hard place uh, type of situation. So eventually I, uh, with the help of my friend, made up my mind, got the Manchanka, Machanka, M-A-C-H-A-N-K-A. Um, it uh, is kind of like this, this, there was chicken and kielbasa served with like these crepes. And uh, it was all kind of in this, not really a, a sauce, but it, and it was the consistency is tough to explain uh i think there were like some like mashed potatoes as part of it i i don't really know what it was it was pretty good um honestly in, in regards to my expectations it kind of missed the marks a little bit but um you know it was fine um uh so dry month for me i ended up having just some tea um to go with my machanka but uh gotta tell you those moscow mules looked pretty appetizing over at the bar so next time Go back there next weekend uh, and uh, get an alcoholic beverage. We were getting ready to leave. Um, I tried to pay the check, but uh, I'll tell you what, at this restaurant, the checks pay you. It was nuts. Uh, anyways, it was really nice to be able to catch up with that old friend from uh, graduate school. Uh, hashtag Putin the commune back in communism, all right? So. Paris. Zoo, 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 zoo
Starting off with some bad news, actually, believe it or not, we have lost a subscriber to the podcast. Our very own mother, Jane Dennison Furness, has decided no more. She's not listening to the podcast after we were talking about some dating tips last week. She wasn't a fan of that, so apparently my own mother has has never been on a date before um but yeah mom's off the podcast so (coughs) that's a bummer but we're gonna we're gonna plot on anyways you know we we lost about half of our subscribers after that we're down from two to one but but i shall persist wasn't that uh that was a big uh what like a hillary clinton thing or something she persisted hashtag a couple years back tbt this is the first annual Beantown Podcast Pledge Drive Telethon. If you're looking to donate, uh, the phone lines are open, uh, 815-298-7200. If you call and you get a call waiting message, just keep trying. We will get to your phone calls. We'd love to have it. Uh, donate to Venmo, uh, Quinn-Furnace. That's Quinn, Q-U-I-N-Furnace, F-U-R-N-E-S-S. If you just have questions, comments, or concerns, or you want to air your grievances, you can email us at beantownpodcast at yahoo.com. That's beantown, B-E-A-N-T-O-W-N, podcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to get in touch with you. We're also on Twitter. We are on Facebook. You know where to find us. There are a million ways to get in touch uh, with us. You know how to find us. Anyways, let's read this week's advice questions, relationship advice. You know you can always send your questions to us. Uh, Love to read them on air. We always keep you anonymous. Um, Oh, last one we have is an interesting one that just kind of snuck up on me the other day. A form 5498. Yep. Hey, we didn't talk about this in rehearsal, did we? Is this, uh, is this an IRA form? It sure is. IRA contribution information. Right. Now, you only... So, so, So tell me this. I've heard that you only have to do IRA tax stuff if you withdrew from that account in that year and that you really don't need to do anything if you're just depositing. Is that correct? Uh, I would say it kind of really depends on the... 
No, my my experience with IRAs is fairly limited. I will tell you a, a short story of, of a man who withdrew from his IRA. I actually did his personal taxes, and um, this was two years ago uh, when I was in my prime, and he lost $60,000 because he withdrew early, that he was slapped with a $60,000 fine. Don't withdraw from your IRAs early, kids. Let that be a lesson to you. Um, but it depends. There's a, quite a few different IRAs out there. Um, and honestly, um, the IRS wants you to report everything, like uh, all the way down to any cash that you receive that doesn't flow through, you know, actual tax forms. How many of us actually do that? Eh. Um, but the thing about like IRAs, they're going to be submitting information to um, to the IRS uh, separately, and basically what they do is they'll take um, all compared to like an employer first. So let's say your employer they keep track of your wages and all taxes, and um, they send you a W two. Well, your employer sends the W three to the IRS, and you send your W two to the IRS, and basically the IRS just matches it to make sure that it agrees, because um, if you weren't to file your, file your taxes, they'd know that there was someone that didn't, basically. There's a loose end out there. Um, so I would suggest the same thing with uh, the form, what is it, 5498, 5498? Yeah, 5498. 5498. Um, yeah, it's better just to do it um, than to not. I, that's my guess. Okay, last thing we have to do here is uh, make our best picture picks. And I am being completely honest right now in that I have thought about this for weeks and weeks. And up until this moment, I still don't have a pick that I feel confident in. Um, I, In my opinion, it's coming down to three films. So I, I see, and I, I kind of parallel this to last year. So last year I felt like La La Land... And uh, Manchester by the Sea were both really strong contenders. And then Moonlight was also a contender, but more of the Dark Horse candidate. For me this year, I view that as Shape of Water and Three Billboards kind of being the two front runners, and Get Out being that Dark Horse candidate. Um, I, for as much as I loved Dunkirk, I just don't think the Academy is going to go for it. And I also really loved Call Me By Your Name, and it might be my favorite movie of the year along with Lady Bird, but they don't seem to be legitimate contenders for it. So on the spot now, having to make a pick for best picture, I am going to go with Get Out. And that's my maybe my, my boldest uh, pick of the night here. But uh, Ryan, what do you think for best picture? Man, you just went completely dark horse in it. I like it. I like it. Um, you know, my thought process behind it is, uh, like I said before, the post, you know, that's like their, that's their political statement. That's what they want to make. But I don't think they're going to make it this year. And I think it's either, you know, the favorite is either, like you said, The Shape of Water or Three Billboards. And the real dark horses, you know, the political statement is... Get Out and Lady Bird. There's just such young, raw talent in those two films. Um, man, I, I got to give the three billboards, though. That is, it's it's hard not to pick that one. Yeah, yeah. 
So my my the one thing that just kept sticking in the back of my head as I was going through these films is that, in my opinion, the last two years, Dark Horse has won. So two years ago, it was Spotlight, uh, the Mark Ruffalo film. And then last year, of course, Moonlight won. Neither of those films came into the award ceremony like the clear front runner. Not that there was necessarily a clear front runner, although I would argue La La Land was a pretty clear front runner last year. So I am just going to try to keep riding that train of uh, Dark Horse, and, and we'll see what happens. I don't know. The only you alluded to this, the only film I'm going to be upset if it wins is Darkest Hour, but I can't imagine a world where that happens. Um, yeah, I, these were all films that I, I enjoyed, um, had no reservations with them except for Darkest Hour being a little bit of uh, Oscar bait. But, yeah, I mean, we, we'll see what happens. I, I did like Get Out. Um, thought it was a really important film and just spectacular that that was Jordan Peele's uh, kind of uh, first first shot at it. And that's what he came up with was, was really cool to see. So... We are coming to you live with a beautiful, fine wine from the company Black House. It is a vintage 20 over 15, which, you know, if you if you reduce the fraction correctly, that's a that's your classic four over three situation. Let's see. What else can we find out about this? It's a Merlot, California. Welcome to the hotel Merlot, California. That's what I say. Now, if you don't know, Merlot is a red wine, which is darker than your your average white wine. Uh, it's tasty. It's heavier. Uh, it gets you pretty buzzed. Uh, let me let me take a sip, and I'll, I'll get the flavor profile going here. Mmm, it's tangy, like a peach. Let's see. Situated. Next to the grand willow tree and natural pond, the old back house was once home to Vintners. Isn't that a Monopoly Square? Vintner Avenue? Vintner? Something like that. It's a light blue. Writers, artists, and those who created the solitude and enjoyment of nature. Sounds like some call-me-by-your-name stuff. Through our wines, we strive to bring these memories back to life for a new generation. Star Trek Next Generation. Hell of a show. Back House Merlot is Garnett in color. Kevin Garnett, anything's possible! That was classic. Uh, flavors of black cherry on the palate. Play that fucking music, white boy. Uh, soft and compliant, like a Title IX school. This Merlot can be enjoyed with rich red pasta dishes. Now, I'm going to stop you right there, wine bottle. What are we doing if we're on a low-carb diet? You know, some of us can't handle the rich, grainy nature that pasta has to offer. Look, I'm not anti-pasta. <laughs> All I'm saying is there's a lot of carbs, there's a lot of calories in pasta. Maybe next time shoot for some zucchini noodles or eggplant parmesan even. Uh, but let's let's finish this off here. Can be enjoyed with rich red pasta dishes and is a fine accompaniment. That was my job in college to chocolate. Well, I don't have any chocolate in the house, but I do have one of those Pepperidge Farms uh, cakes that you get in the freezer. 
you should have seen it for dinner. Uh, it's not what we had for dinner. We had some fajitas, but had that for dessert, birthday cake. Love some birthday cake. Don't have any candles, so I took a stick of incense, lit it on one end, and stuck it on the top of the cake the other end and sang happy birthday to myself uh, in my apartment and had a slice of cake. So that's how my birthday has been going. Let's move in to our last segment. It's actually a new segment that we are pretty excited about here. It's called, What Are Your Guys' Thoughts on dot, dot, dot? Um, and eclipse is what they, they call it when you have the three dots. Eclipses, I think. The, the three dots in a row. So, yeah, we're, we're starting a new segment. Basically, uh, we're just going to, you know, we're going to talk about some issues. And, uh, and each week, you know, we'll, we'll get it going on the Facebook chat, on the Insta chat, if we, if we get a, pr- a profile on there. And we'll just kind of get your, get your thoughts and... Uh, and we'll we'll kind of you know take those into consideration as we're talking about the following week on the podcast. You know, we might do some. Uh, we might hit the streets a little bit. We might be taking it to the streets, just like Mike McDonald used to sing. See, it's coming full circle to to what we were doing you know, last week, two weeks ago with our Michael McDonald impression. But yeah, we just want to we want to ask some some important questions, and you know, a lot of times this podcast is just me rambling and. Kind of the the hard hitting scripted comedy, the bits that you see um, stand up. So we're trying to balance it out here and there. We want we want this podcast to be for everyone. So last thing we're going to talk about tonight: What are your guys' thoughts on the Nineteenth Amendment? That is our topic. Uh, let me read out what the Nineteenth Amendment is all about here. If you don't know, um, it was passed. Uh, adopted on August 18th, 1920. Here's the text. We'll read it straightforward. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. So that's the bill. If you know, if we're kind of doing a little spark notes action here, basically what it's saying is you can't be denied your right to vote whether you're a or depending on you know whether you're a man or a woman it, that your gender has or your sex has no impact on whether you can vote or not it's just the age thing so the to give let's let's do some historical context before this amendment was passed in, in a lot of states you could only vote if you were a man and after the amendment was passed you could vote whether you're a man or a woman so I just you know want to put that out there. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, I see. I you know I, I come back and forth on these sorts of things, but the thing that I always try to think of is, you know, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Um, you know, your kids or your grandkids might ask you, you know, in, in twenty to fifty years, say, Grandpa Q, Grandpa Q, Dave, uh, you, you know. You you came out in full force in 2018 and supported the 19th Amendment. You know, or do you stand by your decision? And I want to I want to say, yeah, I I think yeah I support the right of women uh, to vote. You know, I, I think I think you know people are people, and I don't see color and I don't see gender. You know, they should be able to vote, no matter what you know political party or gender or sex or color they are. Um, I, you know, I don't want. 
you know, to be, you know, 20, 50 and, and, and my grandkids are saying, hey, hey, old fart, why, why aren't you back in your insane asylum? And also, why, why did you say, you know, you disagreed with the 19th Amendment? You know, people are people. They should be able to vote. You know, we're, we're colorblind. And I'll say, you're right. You know, grandkids, I, I botched that one. I, you know, when I think back on it now, I think women should have been able to vote. And so, I, you know, we just want to avoid that situation. So, you know, what are your, what are your guys' thoughts on that? You know, where do you, where do you fall on that? Do you think... Do you think people are people? You know, are you gender blind? Do you think, you know, men and women should be able to vote equally? Or do you think that there is, you know, do you think there's something to this gender hierarchy? You know, do they actually have it going? You know, they are, have they been right all along? So let's just get that discussion going. You know, we'll, we'll open it up on Facebook to uh, to kind of get your reactions. But, yeah, I just wanted to introduce the, that new segment, What Are Your Thoughts On? And this week we're talking all about uh, the 19th Amendment. So, that should get some uh, robust discussion going, and, and um, hopefully we'll get some good contributions. <laughs> going back to this problem I have with God, uh, not not here to offend anybody, not here to attack anybody. Uh, anyone who knows me knows I'm pretty against organized religion uh, and, and kind of in that vein. I'm, I'm against a lot of... Uh, scripture and that sort of thing, but here's here's my issue, and it's directly about the Passover story. Now, if if you haven't seen the Ten Commandments in a while, or, or your your copy of Exodus is collecting dust on the shelf, as mine is, uh, basically what we're dealing with here is is the ten plagues, and the tenth plague is God says that He's going to smite. All the firstborn Egyptian sons in in all of Egypt, and you know what he does? It wasn't even an empty threat. He, the angel of death, which I think is like our Secretary of State or something. If you're trying to like figure out where where he falls in the hierarchy, uh, you know, maybe like third in line. If if God ever got you know took taken down a couple notches. Angel of Death sweeps through the whole nation. This is after they turned the potable drinking water red uh, or into blood, by the way. Kind of your your wedding at Cana situation there. Um, And he, he, he smites down all the firstborn babies except for the Israelites who supposedly are the good guys because they're chosen people, yada, yada, yada. Who are you know they're smearing the the the, the blood across the the top of their doorposts, uh, but the Egyptians the, God didn't give them the memo, and and he just went in there and killed presumably hundreds of thousands of of uh, of people that night. So that's my issue with Passover. Uh, apologies for the language here. Kind of a dick move there, God. So. That's that's what I wanted to say about that. Um, I'm not going to attack anyone's religion anymore after that. Um, but Passover, I think a lot of people are doing their Passover dinners tonight. I tell you what, I do a Passover dinner every night. I'm passing over the vegetables, and I'm going straight for the carbs. That's how I live my life. Oh, boy, I've been waiting like two and a half hours to tell that joke since I thought of it at the grocery store this morning.
today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out. I'm sure you've heard it all before, but you never really had a doubt. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. And all the roads we have to walk are winding. And all the lights and lead us there are blinding There are many things that I would like to say to you But I don't know how Because maybe You're gonna be the one that saves me pretty jealous of your 
your skills and abilities. But the first question is just how did you first become interested or how long have you, you been stamping and making cards? I didn't even know that. It's very close to, to uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, and it has a population of 5,000. When you're talking San Diego around here, you have to be sure to say San Diego, California. Sure. Did you so you became a regular at this class? You would probably walk in and they'd be like, "Hey, Sal, we we got your yeah, order already." Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> This is uh, from Ashley B. in Blair, Maryland. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for calling in. Uh, So I'm with my boyfriend right now as I'm writing this, and honestly, I'm so bored I had to write this. Oof, that's a tough crowd. I heard the best relationships are boring because zero drama. I don't know who told you that, but uh, the, the drama thing is... Zero drama, good. Uh, boring, bad. Right. Keep those bees together, uh, like you're a, like you're an apiarist. That's what I would say. But to me, that's BS. I'm not saying cook up drama like a bunch of kids. But if you've been with a guy for just two months and are already this bored, then what's left? You know, I bring up things that interest me, but no response. He always wants to talk about some serious stuff things that are important but not compulsory to talk on every day. Not the best phrasing there. Maybe run this by your English teacher first. Uh, he is content, just sitting down silently and counting down the days. Jesus Christ, that is grim as hell. Counting down the days to what? You know, I thought if Jesus was going to make a return, it was going to be during that 2012 Mayan calendar stuff. And six years later, all we got was a crappy John Cusack movie. Uh, moving on. Uh, me, I want someone I can be myself with. Well, it sounds like you kind of are. Uh, he asked once why I don't call him when I want to have fun, laugh, or open up. And the answer is because you don't respond. Boom. Don't know what to do, to be honest. Well, she writes TBH. Uh, for any of you older listeners, I know we've been trying to tap into the, uh, the 80 to 89 demographic uh, after last week's podcast. And let's do a little side note right there. Thank you so much. Uh, this should not have uh, had to have wait 
waited 42 minutes to, to get in. But thank you to my grandma, Sally, for coming on the podcast live last week to talk about stamping, to talk about cruises, to talk about China. You should have seen my hands. I did the motion so good, better than the POTUS himself. Uh, we had a great time. It was our most highly reviewed podcast yet. One of our uh, highest listened to ones. So uh, I do apologize for this one because let's see, we're coming off of Jack two weeks ago, my brother, and then my grandmother, Sal, last week. Those were both really uh, strong podcasts, great reviews, kept it brief enough. Uh, this one has been kind of all over the place, a little bit of a crash and burn type of deal. So, uh, do apologize, but thank you to my grandma last week for coming on. That was fantastic. Uh, we are going to be coming to you live. Uh, we're going on the road again later this summer for one, maybe two podcasts, probably two. Um, but we're going to be coming to you live out from uh, Alaska slash Canada. And uh, we might be able to get my grandma Sal back on the podcast at that time uh, since she got such great reviews the first time. We would like to get her back on again uh, before too long. So look out for that. That would be in uh, late July, early August. But back to this advice question. Well, Ashley, uh, here, here's what I got to tell you. If you're not happy, then you're not happy. You know, and uh, if you feel like he's this weirdo who's counting down the days until what, which you uh, you did not really specify, but it might be time that you get a new boo. You know, uh, this guy doesn't sound like he's got a lot going on. So, uh, yeah, give him another chance. Uh, you might just want to show him what you wrote here. And, uh, you know, you can uh, you can have him listen to the podcast, show him this advice. Uh, he kind of sounds like a loser, you know, like my favorite Beck song. And uh, as great as that song was, you know, Soy Un Perdedor, you don't want to date Un Perdedor. Um, you want to date un, uh, un Champion, you know. So... Rant number two is is going to get a little personal, and if you're listening to this, uh, you probably uh, there's a potential that you've given me this excuse in the past. So, so first and foremost, I want to preface this by saying this is not a personal attack because I've known so many people who do this, um, and it's not. I'm not attacking the person. I'm attacking this excuse because I don't think it's a valid excuse, and I'm I'm calling bullshit on it. Um, again, happy to have people reach out and explain what they mean when they use this excuse, but on its surface level, it's, it's total crap. So here it is. Uh, people who, uh, kind of either cancel plans or just say that they, they can't do something because they have to pack. That's it. Uh, how, uh, I, okay. I know that I am a man and... I am not like a neat freak. I'm not a super well dressed. I'm pretty low maintenance. But come on. I was doing this weekend trip to Memphis and I recognize some of you have longer trips and you're going to different climates. That's fine. If I was coming to Memphis for a week, seven days, even two weeks, 
th- it, this would not change my process drastically. We're talking plus five minutes, perhaps. I woke up yesterday morning before uh, coming into work at 8.30 a.m. I wake up an extra 15 minutes early, 15, one, five, to pack. Why? Because here's what that process looks like for me. And please reach out and tell me what your process looks like for you because I just don't get it. Um, I pull out my suitcase. I uh, pack any uh, work shoes or gym shoes that I might need, depending on what I'm wearing before my flight. Um, I pack one or two pairs of pants, depending on how long I'm going for. I pack one or two shirts, depending on how long I'm going for. And underwear and socks and a belt and ties and in terms of like what I need while I'm actually traveling, I have a book. I make sure I have my music. I have all my chargers and my toiletries. What else are you guys packing that is taking your whole effing night? I don't. I don't understand. Like, are people? Am I just weird in that I'm not standing in front of my closet? for half an hour just standing there like mm, maybe I'll wear this this day or Ooh, I don't know if that matches get your pants get your shirt as long as you don't look like a German tourist I guarantee you're going to be fine um, I just I don't get it if you can shed light on that please go for it I know 15 minutes is on the short end of quote unquote packing but who's not doing something fun social or whatever the night before they're traveling because they have to pack i just don't get it um the way i see it it's just an excuse for not wanting to do something and that's i okay if you don't want to do something that's fine just say i don't want to do it um i think people try to be a little bit too nice sometimes and dance around the bush say hey i'm not gonna be able to make it tonight um but I have to pack. Can't be the. You can't lead with that, right? Um, so that's what I want to say about that. We're going to move on. So I yesterday uh, was tooling around in the morning. Didn't really have much to do. Had a day off and decided I would check in, knowing the Orioles were in town, to see how much tickets were for a game. Usually pretty cheap. But it was a weekend, so, in a divisional game. So I was like, oh, well, let's check it out. Um, so two things here. One, learned that they were playing a doubleheader. Game starting at 3.05 p.m. Second game scheduled to start half an hour after the first one ends. And also, it was single price admission for both games, which I, I guess probably has happened before, but that's that's not the way the Cubs usually do at Wrigley Field. It's almost always play a game, clear everybody out, gate closes, gate reopens, new tickets, that sort of thing. Camden Yards, it was just a big, long party yesterday. Once you're in, you're in for eight hours of baseball. So I go there. Uh, well, first things first, I buy a ticket online, $9. Uh, it's like $11 with all the fees and stuff. Not bad for two baseball games. I go to the grocery store. So so Camden Yards, if you don't know, if you've never been there, has an extremely liberal uh, food and beverage policy. Like, so liberal, it's like if uh, Cory Booker was the mayor of Chicago or something. And 
so I go to I go to uh, Eddie's on Eager, get a pack of brats, get a pack of, of buns, and uh, a Gatorade. You know, one of those not like the giant ass you know forty ounce things, uh, but like the not and not even the standard size. It's kind of like the bloated size. It's like the the kid in middle school who just doesn't know when to stop eating. Uh, that's kind of what my Gatorade bottle looked like. I don't know what it is. It's probably like 25 ounces or something. Uh, and, boy, off track. I get those things, cook up my broth, seal them in a bag, uh, and take them into the ballpark. And it was so hot. It was like, you know, 90-ish degrees that, you know, it, sure, the, the, the broths weren't great, you know, five hours after they were cooked, but it was better than paying 10 bucks for, uh, you know, if I bought five even hot dogs at a game that probably would have cost me, oh, what's a dog at Camden Yards? Probably like six bucks. So about $30. The dogs and the, or the, the brats and the buns I bought all together cost like $7. So we're saving like 80% right there. Um, and yeah, I'm okay with that. Some people are like, oh my God, gross. You cook those brats and you didn't eat them for like another five hours. Well, listen here, sister, you got to do what you got to do to save money. So $10 tickets that paid like $10 total for food. I guess I bought a, I bought a summer shandy. There's another eight bucks. So that's $28 for eight hours of baseball and a full day of eating. So I'll take that. That's not, not so bad. Uh, we went game one was quick, painless. O's one, uh, game two, everything started fine. It was just a slower game in general. Then the rain started. If you saw my Snapchat story last night, it was hailing crazy thunder and lightning got a really cool uh video over mnt bank stadium of the lightning which was uh kind of a cool visual to see game uh two rain delay lasts about an hour finally picks back up the last what was it four innings of that game with just absolutely painful relief pitchers so slow um the only people the only team scoring was the rays uh always got their nuts smashed it was bad. Uh, there was more nut cracking in that one than the dance of the sugar plum fairy. <laughs> uh, this is a seasonal joke. Um, but uh, yeah, we finally finished up uh, shortly before ten forty-five p.m. and I walked out eight hours in Camden Yards. And you know, I wasn't sitting in one spot for eight hours. I was walking around, used the bathroom a couple times, mingled with the fans, uh, as I want to do. But, uh, yeah, eight hours in the ballpark. That was a new record for me. I've gone to a couple games at Wrigley uh, that have gone into extras. I think the longest one, and this is great. This podcast coming full circle. I recall going to a game on Mother's Day. Probably, what was that, three years ago? That was their, was that their World Series year? I don't remember. It was, it was either two or three years ago. Game went into the 13th inning. It was probably about a four-and-a-half, five-hour game. Uh, Javier Baez hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 13th. It was awesome. It was, they were wearing uh, pink helmets, I think, and he hit into the left field bleachers where all the, Moms where their pink T-shirts were. It was awesome, and I was, you know, I was sitting there enjoying it and thinking, "Damn, mom, you, you, you made a great son. He looks good, and he goes to games by himself." And that was the other fun thing about about that game. I was there, you know, it's a Sunday afternoon, Wrigley, nice weather, Mother's Day. It's a it's a popular time to go to the ballpark. 
there with all the moms and they're getting all their love and there I am like a 20 year old kid sitting there by myself so uh that's pretty typical of the way I operate here but uh that was fun but that was the longest game I think I'd ever been to um thankfully none of these neither of these games yesterday went to extra innings uh if that second one would have gone in extra innings and it was like you know midnight and I was on my 10th hour of baseball I don't think I would have stayed till the end I think I would have just walked but I did I can say I stayed for an entire double header of baseball with a rain delay um proud of that it was Camden Yards little PSA uh for people going to Camden Yards the uh the the ushers there mostly older nice retired people um I say nice loosely I was at a game so that I didn't witnessed this yesterday because I was sitting way up, but I was at a game on Wednesday night, Camden, and it's one thing if you got, you know, your usher station, like, at the top of a section, top of the stairs going into a section, to, like, ask to see someone's ticket, like, that's fine, you know, if, whatever, I, I don't care, you got the right to do that. What they were doing at the ballpark on Wednesday night, they were, like, not like, they were doing random seat checks. You'd have an usher... I witnessed this. Uh, I had a great view of this. You just like go into the sections, and this isn't behind home plate. This was in the outfield, and just ask to see people's tickets who were sitting there. Not because there was like other people who had their those seats. This these ushers were just like doing it randomly. So uh, there's your PSA. If you're going to Canyon Yards um, and you want to try to get better seats, be careful because some of them are pretty judicious. Again, I don't. I don't mind if you're doing the, you know, can I see your ticket to make sure you're in the right spot thing. Um, I do kind of mind that if it's after, like, the sixth inning because what's the deal, you know? Um, Especially, so these are outfield seats. Wouldn't you want uh, those seats to be filled on TV? Like, because those are the ones that get shown if there's a home run or something. I don't know. I don't quite understand the logic behind it, especially the random uh, spot checking, but anyways, um, moving on, that was my Saturday, spent eight hours at Camden Yards. Let's see, what else is happening across? Were there games yesterday? It's at the quarterfinals, right? So, there was, boy, ESPN app, you're, uh, you're kind of letting me down today, guys, not, uh, not too pleased with that. They're letting me go back, but they won't let me go forward. Quinn's getting upset. This week on the podcast, listen as Quinn tries to navigate his phone application. It's a thrilling and riveting podcast for all of you across the country listening. Uh, let's go ahead, before we uh, get too long here, let's jump into my favorite things, and then we'll circle back to lacrosse. So... This is a list of, like, I don't know, there's probably 12 things, 10 things that I sort of just came up with off the top of my head. Quinn's favorite things. Number one, this is pertinent, or this pertains to uh, my Snapchat story last night. People who don't post hour-long Snapchat or Instagram videos of the concert that they're attending. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but I'm very passionate about this. When you go to a concert... You have every right to be pumped, to be excited, to share, want to share that experience with your friends. Great. 
but I don't want to be clicking through your, you know, concert for like five minutes of just click, 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 click. That's like 20 minutes of actual watch time. Take a video of like two or three songs, maybe four if it's really good, like Jason Mraz or Justin Guarini. And that that's that's what you get, you know? That's that's your limit. Nobody wants to see a billion videos. Take an actual video of it and then post it to Facebook or something, but don't don't do it on the the Snapchat or the Insta chat or the Instagrams. Just we don't want to see that. I'll use myself as an example. I went last night at the Fratelli's, posted a video of Flathead, posted a video of the course one time, and that was like an 18-second video. That's it. That's all you got. People understood that I was there. I got to share my experience, shared one of their most famous songs, and everyone's happy. You're not clicking through my Snapchat story for 20 minutes of your life. So starting on a positive note, my favorite thing, people who don't post those videos. Um, Next favorite thing, going to the movies alone. I love it. I like just being able to chill, especially if it's almost or completely empty theater. Put your feet up, you know, bring your flask, and just have a day. Similarly, going to baseball games alone or with people who understand the game, but considering I don't have any friends, uh, it's usually just me going alone. So I do like going to those things alone. Not that I don't like going with other people. In fact, when I you know, used to live in Chicago, as many for as many times as I would go to games alone i would you know buy a ticket for a friend and and take them but um yeah i don't know i don't like you know my my least favorite feeling is when i'm at a game with someone and you can tell that they're just not into it and they don't want to be there but like baseball is your favorite thing and you really want to be there so trying to find that balance is never fun it's always a little uncomfortable so i don't mind going alone um something else one of my favorite things my 10 year old ipod it is an iPod uh, Nano. Is that what we're calling it? Uh, it's green. It's got a screen and then a little wheel under it. I bought it after a piano lesson in like seventh grade, which is when you're, what, like 12? So this iPod is at least 10 years old, probably older than that, between 10 and 12 years old. Um, occasionally. I'll put some new music on there. The most recent stuff I put on there was uh, some Portugal The Man, I think, and uh, Arcade Fire. But those are really the only two bands that I put on there in the last year. Uh, it's got everything, you know. It's got some OG Kanye. It's got some Kelly Clarkson. I've got Sinatra on there. I have Beethoven on there. Um yeah, I got the B-52s. This iPod has everything you could ever want. None of that modern Cardi B or Bruno Mars shit, although I do have one Bruno Mars song. Um, what was his original one? Girl, you're amazing just the way you are. It's a star for God and not shining. I got that song on there, but not the not the new stuff. 
Not the Super Bowl Bruno Mars, you know? Hashtag not my Bruno Mars. So, big fan of my 10-year-old iPod. It has been through multiple marathons. It's been through a lot of other races. It has moved across the country. It has flown across the country. It has been to Africa. Uh, Yeah, love my iPod. And uh, I don't know. It's had its ups and downs in terms of usability and functionality. The battery life is not great right now, but I can probably still get a solid four or five hours out of it. Um, less if I'm shuffling all the time. But yeah, big fan. Next, Southern Gospel Music. Now, for as much as time as I've dedicated on this podcast to just railing on Scripture and on the concept of organized religion, I tell you what, those Southern Gospels, they know how to make some music. If you don't know them, go check out the Gaither Vocal Band and then some of their solo stuff, whether it's David Phelps, who has one of the best voices I've ever heard. Listen to David Phelps sing Oh Holy Night. That's a very famous YouTube clip. you got to check that out. I don't care if it's May. Uh, it's like one of the greatest things of all time. Uh, yeah, check them out. David Phelps, Guy Penrod, uh, Michael English, Mark Lowry. Uh, those guys are all fantastic singers. Love Southern Gospel music. Uh, next thing that I really like, one of my favorite things, eating a sandwich when buzzed. I am famous around these parts for getting the like 15-inch 7-Eleven sandwich for 5 bucks when buzzed. And you take it home, and you eat it up, and it's actually not half bad. I like to get the Italian. It's got lettuce and salami and provolone. And that's just good stuff, and it's even better when you're three beers in. Big fan of a 7-Eleven sandwich. Best, you know, if we're talking sandwiches, best value out there on the market. Even makes Subway way better, or look look like shit. Uh, Pardon the language here. Uh, Next thing on my list of favorite things, trivia. So I got to put in a little gloat, a little plug here. Been playing trivia down uh, south, uh, about two miles south of my apartment. Been playing there for, oh, I don't know, the better part of 2018. And uh, won a couple, maybe once or twice as part of a team. But it's been well documented on this podcast that my team members have uh, just kind of given up, dropped off the face of the earth, stopped playing. I don't know what. I don't know why they don't text me back, which is just standard protocol these days. But um, here's the thing. Your boy Q has now played trivia by himself three straight weeks. Like, not even, like, me and one other person, just straight up by myself against teams of, you know, the best teams have. There's two other teams that I compete with quite often. One has seven players, one has eight. And, uh... Two weeks ago, I came in second, and then the night after that, I went back down there to play Star Wars trivia by himself, got third, um, and the, you know, th- it was third out of like 11 teams or something. The week after that, last week in trivia, I came in third, which was tough, but uh, you know, still getting some playoff points, still respectable. Javi Bias is just launched and oh caught on the track leaping catch wow yeah we're still watching that baseball game in case you forgot this uh past week three days ago thursday night qdf rolls into uh the bar 
and wins first prize in trivia. And I think we'll try to make this a thing now. Uh, give everybody either the, a question I remember or the final question, assuming I remember that, from trivia the week before. And I was super proud of this one. This was the one that I won on. Uh, the category is languages. And the question is, this South American country's official language is Dutch. Your boy nailed it. Uh, team that got second actually knew it as well, and they were beating me by three points going into it, but they didn't do a full bid, and I did, and uh, passed them. And those guys are nice, uh, nice, nice team. They're kicking ass in the standings overall, but it feels good to win one, you know? I'm still in the hunt for a playoff spot. Uh, yeah, we're looking to do that. We got two weeks left. I don't know if anybody's going to be joining me for those last weeks of trivia. Um, I tell you what, if I could get a playoff spot playing by myself, that that would be one of my greatest accomplishments in life, TBH. Um, let's see, what else is on my list of favorite things? The discount section of the bakery section at the grocery store. There's a little kind of food inception for you, but big fan walking in, you know, whether it's a, an eagle or a highlander or a giant, whatever you walk in, you go straight for that bakery section. Cause you know what you're there for. You're not here to mess around. And then inside of that bakery section, there's like a separate table. It's just for discounted items. We're talking brownies, danishes, the cookies with detachable frosting. You can sometimes pick those things up for like a dollar 50 Oh, man, you don't need to even have dinner that day because you got it there for $1.50. That's what I'm talking about. We're talking flour. We're talking sugar. We're talking eggs, and we're talking milk, and we're talking butter. Five things you need to be happy in life right there. Um, that Yeah, yeah it, that's like nirvanic for me, the discount section of the bakery uh, section at the grocery store. Uh, a couple other things. On my list of favorite things for today, waking up without your alarm. I think that's something that we can all attest to, whether it's a weekend and you're just sleeping until you wake up, or if you actually got a decent amount of sleep and you wake up you know, at 6.30 before your alarm goes off and you're ready to go. That's a good feeling. doesn't happen very often. The smell of wood burning, also one of my favorite things. I hope that doesn't make me like a potential arsonist suspect i just really like the smell of wood burning a lot of nostalgia there last thing on the list for today before we move into our next segment my tiger blanket which is uh it's pretty famous worldwide and particularly in my apartment um people come from all over the country to to see the tiger blanket and uh yeah it's it's hanging majestically Above my bed, everybody says that they like it. I'm just a very likable guy. Goat Yoga has consumed the nation. I uh, got a paper the other day, USA Today, and Goat Yoga was the leading front page headline. So what do we know about it? I did a little research, and uh, it turns out you go do yoga, you, know, you got your different poses, the, the flying lotus, the downward dog, the, the Jack Link's red cup, uh, all things that, you know, your yoga lovers out there, hello to the yoga community, thanks for tuning in this week, stuff you guys know and love, but here's where it gets interesting, if you've ever gone to like a pig roast or 
a barbecue or a goat roast, you know that yoga can uh, it can it can work up an appetite. So you go do goat yoga. Here's a great thing: you spend 45 minutes to an hour doing the poses, the Rodney Yee stuff. You're having a good time. You're drinking some brews. It's all fun and games. But you know your average yoga workout. You finish and everyone goes their separate ways. And you say, "Wow, I'm hungry." Guess I'll have to stop home for some fast food. Not anymore. With goat yoga, they get the goat hanging by four limbs from the spit. You rotate it over the fire. It's beautiful. It's a golden brown consistency. Tastes just like chicken. If you never tried goat at your yoga, I'm telling you this is the best way to experience it. It's an underrated meat. It's flying a little under the radar, but I think you're going to like the way it tastes. Throw some salt, pepper, maybe some cumin on there, some red chili flake, red uh, red pepper flakes. It's it's going to be lit. I tell you what. So goat yoga, if you haven't tried it, really good opportunity. You're going to leave feeling satisfied. That hunger is going to be gone. Perfect blend of spices, 23 flavors. It's all good stuff. It's all on how you season it. That's your preview on goat yoga. Mm. Last, my last question for you here is kind of the the big question here, and hopefully it'll be helpful to anybody who's listening. In your opinion, um, what are the biggest things a person should ask themselves or do research on before they commit to a graduate program? Hmm. I would say definitely research on how much how much time like it would generally take to do work and ask yourself like if you have that time to kind of you know hunker down and really get that work done because it's a really big crucial thing that you can like find the time so do you have any like outstanding obligations that might get in the way of that because if so then it might take a little longer to get uh, your degree done and everything like there's definitely nothing wrong with that um and I guess just like asking yourself like do you really need to go to grad school like for the I guess career track that you're that you're gunning for so if you're doing something in your field do you feel that it's relevant for you or if it's beneficial for you to have a grad a graduate degree under your belt because more often than not especially in today's job market and everything it's very much it, it's I would say like it's very um, it's not as important as it used to be where if you want to go to a specific sect of your potential career field that you might need like a higher uh educational degree and whatnot but at the same time like there's so many opportunities now in the job market where you can kind of make it with a bachelor's degree or you can apply your um knowledge and skills and abilities that you've picked up with your bachelor's degree into a completely different field that might be perfect for you and that you really don't want to budge out of because you feel like you can grow in wherever you are so it's like a really big option if you feel that graduate school is an intermediate step between you and your uh, career goals, or you feel like graduate school is like that necessary step 
to get to where you need to get to. Um, that, and I feel like, do you, do you feel like your, um, it's like your mental state allows for you to pursue graduate school because it's such a, it's such a taxing process to do graduate work. I would say that if you, I don't know, if you have like some kind of, um, disposition to not focus on work as much or you have that kind of disposition where you get easily distracted or easily frustrated then you you might want to take those extra precautions to make sure that when you are faced with those like more tumultuous times and those more like stressful nights of having to cram all these different papers or cram all this information for an exam that you're going to be you're going to have the ability to do it instead of like you know, failing out of a class or having to redo a quarter or a semester. I think it's really important to kind of think about those things. And in terms of like graduate programs, it might be good to just research the school in general and kind of see. I, I don't know if there's like different resources online where you can just kind of see like what people are saying, what people are saying about the programs that they've been in or if there's any kind of like anecdotal evidence of a person who's been part of that program or it's easy to just kind of ask around with friends and family and even faculty if you can be connected with someone who's currently in that program I find that's really helpful too I've spoken to a lot of people that are interested in my program outside of school and I've like basically gave them the rundown. I'm like, listen, um, it's mm-hmm. really difficult. It's nothing like undergrad. So it's really good to get that insider's perspective, especially like it's way more helpful too if it's unbiased because sometimes you'll have people that's like, no, I love graduate school. Graduate school is like my whole world, which is nothing wrong with that. But I feel like it just doesn't really capture that other side of it where it's like, there is that stress, there is that potential for burning out, and yeah, that's what I would say on the matter. <laughs> so, go on a go on a, an online date last night, and we're meeting up right around my apartment, scheduled for 7 o'clock. So I get there 7 o'clock on time, because I'm an on-time type of guy, and uh, I get an out Outdoor table. It's a beautiful night. Order my beer. Uh, I, I I get there first. So the girl texts me and says that she's running like ten minutes behind. I'm like, okay, this is fine. She's she's driving from the next town over. Um, so I yeah I, I understand. That's okay. So it gets to be about seven fifteen, and uh, waiting there and. Not hearing much. Eventually, she pulls up um, beside the, the. She's on the. She's on the street, and I'm sitting on the sidewalk in a table. And but there's there isn't parking right there, so she she yells, "Hey, hey, Quinn! This, this is our first time meeting, actually." And uh, I say, "Yeah, hey, just you know, go find a parking spot. Here I am." And she's like, "Well, where am I supposed to park?" And I'm like, first first thought is I figure it out yourself. But I'm like, yeah, I'm a nice, I'm like a nice person, you know. People say I'm nice, so like hey, if you go you go two blocks south down the street, um, easy street parking. It's it's pay to park, but you don't have to pay after eight o'clock, and it's already you know close to seven thirty. You you're gonna be perfectly fine just sitting there the whole night. You don't have to pay at all, even if you wanted to pay to be. Re- 
better safe than sorry. It's going to cost you, I think, a, a dollar maybe. So, yeah, just go down there, go park. I'll be here, you know, five minutes when you when you when you come back. So, I sit there and I sit there and we're like texting and she's like, I can't find a spot, which is ridiculous because I had just walked by there and I was I I knew that there were spots. Keep going, keep going. It's like seven thirty now. 7:35, and I'm like, are, "Are you okay? Are you alive? Do you want me to send up a smoke signal or a semaphore signal or something? Like, what can I do? What can Brown do for you?" And uh, she's like, "Man, I, just, I still can't find a spot." Which it, it's been over half an hour at this point. It's frustrating, but anyways, I give her explicit directions to three different areas within like two blocks of where I am, where I know that there's parking one is at a monument one is um in the parking lot of a coffee shop like the, all these places have open parking you know all the time because every time i need to park around my apartment i go to these places and uh nothing nothing thing that pissed me off she kept saying uh i, I uh, the gps is taking me in a crazy direction what are you using your G- like what 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 did you put in your GPS? Like, what are you looking for? Here's how you park in any situation. You show up to the place. If there's parking there, you park. If not, you make concentric circles. It's the George Costanza technique. It's very intuitive. It's very straightforward. You drive in circles around, expanding as you need to until you find a spot. What are you using your GPS for? Like, where is your GPS taking you? And what are you searching for? I, I don't understand. So I give her directions to, you know, this Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. And 10 minutes later, she texts me and says, oh, it took me to a different Dunkin' Donuts. I, I told you the cross streets that the Dunkin' Donuts was at. This is like when Michael Scott drives into the lake because he listens to the GPS. Just like, but this is real life. <sighs> so it's, we, we hit the hour point. And still not here. And I just, I, at this point, I'm just completely confounded, befuddled, bamboozled even, obfuscated. And I, I just say, look, listen, I'm going to be here for another hour, which was true. If you want to, if you decide at some point you want to park, you can do it and come join me. But after that hour is up, I'm, I'm going home. Which was true, and that's what I did. Um, she says, "Let's reschedule." So we we did, uh, and uh, this all took place over like hour fifteen, hour twenty-ish, until we finally decided to reschedule. Um, I just I have no words. That was baffling. Look, here's the thing: parking in a large city close to downtown is never fun for anyone. No one shows up and is like, oh, man, I can't wait to find parking here. It's going to be awesome. But it's really not that tough to park in Baltimore. It's pretty easy compared to other cities with a similar size population. Uh, And where I live in proximity to downtown, Washington, D.C., a nightmare. Boston is a nightmare. Um... Even Atlanta can be tough to find parking at times in the downtown region. It's not hard here in Beantown. Uh, I'm not a good parker, not a great parallel parker. 
I get it. Sometimes it takes, you know, five minutes, ten minutes to drive around the block a couple times and look for a spot that you feel comfortable getting into. I understand. But this was over an hour. And for those those of you who are listening right now saying, like, oh, dude, she's playing you. She's ghosting you. No, she wasn't because she lives 20 minutes away, drove down here. I saw her. She, you know, right? she drove past the bar and said hi. So this is just, a, man, I... You might be a nice person, but damn, that's a that's that's a turn off for me, you know. Uh, uh, incompetence. Don't have a ton of patience for it. I have about half an hour's worth of patience for it, and after that half hour is up, when you take another forty five minutes, I I start to lose the patience. So that's the Tinder story that uh, that happened to me last night. Thank you for uh, your kind words and your support. I do appreciate it. Uh, if you uh, if you have a terrible Tinder date or anything of the like story of your own that you want to share, please feel free to email me uh, beantownpodcast@yahoo.com. That is beantown b e a n t o w n podcast at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you. Always fun hearing from the fans, seeing what stories they have. I know you guys got stories. I know you're listening to this and you got a fun one to share. Uh, it's always anonymous on the podcast. Send me your story. I'd love to read it on the air. And we'll show everybody that I'm not alone. Really what this boils down to, and this is a phrase I used before and I'll continue to use it, she's a low-Q woman. Low-Q, low-quality woman. She's a low-Q woman. Give me, give me, give me the low cumin. Right? Low Q woman alert. Red alert. I'm getting worked up into a frenzy. In honor. Of uh, of justify going for the uh, the triple crown and in honor of horses everywhere, I thought it would be fun and I've actually been talking about doing this um, for for a while and I've been thinking about this for a while. We are going to do our top ten list of horse names created by yours truly. Um, some of them are just. Off the top of my head, some of them are taken from other things. None of them are horse names. They're all uh, given this kind of new angle to them by uh, by by me, the the host, creator, and best boy of the Bean Town Podcast. So here we go. Number one, and this is the one I share all the time. I tell people, one day I'm going to own a horse. He's going to win the Kentucky Derby, and this will be his name, Episcopalian. That's number one. It's uh, it's got that edgy. Uh, multi-syllabic one word uh, thing going for it it's got the religious aspect you all know this is a very religious podcast and the people the fans who listen to it follow it religiously and i thank you my fans for liking and supporting and subscribing to this podcast if you're listening on youtube go ahead hit subscribe right there on the right underneath the screen if you're on itunes we'd love to have your uh love to have your support you can like the tracks on soundcloud you can follow our page on facebook we are on twitter we are at 
BeantownCast, at B-E-A-N-T-O-W-N, cast, uh, short for podcast. It's lingo I use to save time. Uh, we would love to have your support there. We're always tweeting. Uh, we're always you know, interacting with the fans. That's, that's, that's what this experience is all about. Um, share it with friends and family if you actually, and I'm serious about this, if you actually like what you're listening to and you think it's a fun thing to do once a week for you know half an hour, 40 minutes, uh, share it with other people because that's how we're going to get those sponsorship dollars in. Are you listening to me, Jack Links? Thank you very much. I got the cup on my coffee table right now. But Episcopalian is the number one on our list, top ten horse names. Number two, I just thought of this yesterday, and I was really proud of it. Anheuser Bitch. <laughs> uh. That's number two, Anheuser Bitch. Number three is a classic. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's Slumdog. That's also uh, the name of the, the team I played as uh, uh, at Trivia this, this past week. Usually play under the name We Drink, We Know Things, but... You know, it's the off season. There are no playoff points at stake. And uh, I was playing by myself, so I went for Slumdog. Got second prize, you know. It was a good night. Uh, number four, this is a throwback that only a few of my listeners will, will understand, but I'm going to put it out there. Leanne Thompson. That's number four. It is Leanne Thompson. Number five, uh, going back to the, uh, the one-word idea, Ticonderoga. That seems like a, just a gimme. Like you got to have that as a horse name at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if it already existed, but Ticonderoga is number five. Number six is a little throwback to my roots as a music major, Unacorda. It is uh, the, uh, the furthest left pedal on a piano. makes everything, uh, mutes the sound a little bit. It is Unacorda. It is Italian for the Pope. Actually, so because the Pope in older days when the piano was invented, see the popes were much more quiet. They weren't uh, screaming down at you from the pulpit, and so that's how unicorda uh, kind of came around, and they threw it on the pianos and it stuck. Number seven is Stamford Raffles, founded uh, Singapore some three hundred years ago, and now he's got his own horse, Stamford Raffles. Look at that, the sun's out. The thunderstorm lasted about ten minutes. That was crazy. Um number eight, here's a, a relevant one for all the young uh all the young progressives out there. Darth Vader Ginsburg. Okay, hang on. It's straight sun outside and there's crazy thunder going on. I don't know what to make of this. What a day! Maybe, maybe, maybe the the apocalypse, the apocalypse is is happening outside. I'm not sure. Number number eight was Darth Vader Ginsburg. Might have to get uh, the uh, the rights from Disney before I can do that. I'm not sure, but uh, Disney, you know where to find me. I'm at the Beantown Cast or, or excuse me, at Beantown Cast. We are Beantown Podcast Yahoo.com. Um, of course, RBG New Doc. Just came out on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I haven't seen it, but uh, uh, I've heard good things. Number nine is a mud dauber. A mud dauber. That's a uh, an insect that I just actually learned about the other day. It's like a wasp, but it's different. 
and uh, it's a it's it's a mud dauber. You don't want to get bit by one of those guys, and you don't want to lose to mud dauber in the Kentucky Derby or the Belmont Stakes or the Preakness. Number ten, the uh, final uh, on the list of top ten horse names is Richard Hidalgo. That's a beautiful name that I thought of yesterday. It's a blend between the. Uh, of course, the uh, uh, the the movie with uh, Aragorn and Viggo Mortensen, and then actually the man Richard Hidalgo, who was a baseball player for about ten years, Mets and Astros, and he played for a few other teams, but those Astros were kind of his big one. He had one season where he had something like forty-five home runs, um, but I think he might have had some injury issues. Never, never quite stayed at the top. So again, let's run down. The list of the top ten horse names. Number one, Episcopalian. Number two, Anheuser-Bitch. Number three, Slumdog. Number four, Leanne Thompson. Number five, Ticonderoga. Number six, Unicorda. Number seven, Stamford Raffles. Number eight, Darth Vader Ginsburg. Nine is Mudauber, and we finish it off number ten with the man, the myth, the legend, Richard Hidalgo. So I tell you what, in 20 years, when you're sitting at home, in a late May day watching the Kentucky Derby with friends and family and you see Stamford Raffles out in front being ridden by, well, not me because I'm 6'2 and 200 plus pounds, uh, but a, a nice Mexican man who is jockeying for my horse. You know who owns it. It's the man himself, Quinn David Furness. Tell him Quinn sent you. <laughs> you're not dead so glad you're my alive dad dad if you were dead you'd be like a mummy that'd be really weird so happy father's day to my dad happy father's day love you pops happy father's day Father's Day, I love you, Pops. Dad, you took me to Orlando, and then you got food poisoning. That really sucked. Dad, that's the last time we went to any Bob Evans south of the Mason-Dixon line. Happy Father's Day to my dad happy father's day love you pops happy father's day to my dad happy father's day love you pops here's something you're really gonna like a little uh, scat solo here we go beep bop bop ba do beep Oh, 
it's not Jason Mraz, it's just Quinn David Furness, and this is my podcast. Hey, happy Father's Day to my dad. Happy Father's Day, love you pops. Happy Father's Day to my dad. Happy Father's Day, love you pops. Love you Jason Mraz. I love you, Bob Evans, and I don't actually hate mummies. I think mummies are kind of cool. Think mummies are kind of cool. All mummies, I love you too. We are going to get right into it with our lead story, left, crazy leftists calling for violence against the right. Earlier this week, left-wing nutjob Maxine Waters urged supporters to surround members of the Trump cabinet at restaurants, gas stations, department stores. We're talking like Chick-fil-A's people, Home Depot's, Kmart's. Where, where does it stop with Maxine Waters urging them to incite widespread violence and bloodshed against members of the Trump administration, then I don't know. You guys, I, I'm not a fan of failing Comedy Central. Trevor Noah, I don't think is very funny. Don't listen to him, but Comedy Central writer Curtis Cook this week tweets, I wish this Kennedy had been shot instead of the other one. So let's jump right into this. Now, this isn't anything new. Left-wing Democrats, supposedly the party of tolerance and of acceptance, have been in a gigantic uproar for a year and a half now, ever since Trump took office and the failing Obama administration left the White House in shame, scandal, and humiliation. Now, the announcement that Justice Kennedy will retire, a man who is 81 years old, I might add. He doesn't get to retire because he's 81 years old. This announcement has sent the extremist alt-left media full of libtards and snowflakes into an absolute frenzy. From mass shootings to false claims of collusion, the alt-left has been crying for days upon end, and now it seems like they've completely lost their cool. On Good Morning America this week, Terry Morin bitched that Kennedy's retirement guarantees that this court and this country is going to change profoundly. Others have referred to the news as an absolute earthquake, uh, whining about the democratic process of nominating a new Supreme Court justice. Even CNN has gone so failing, fake news CNN, I will add, has gone so far, and I don't really watch them, but I heard people say this, to say that the constitution of our own country is under attack. Seriously, liberals? Seriously? So when did we decide that conservatives aren't allowed to have democratic principles? Ever since 2008, when America and the Dems launched a full-out onslaught of our republic, we've continued to see a double standard. Invite whichever speakers you want to your campus to engage in discourse, in discussion with your students, as long as they're left-wing or black or gay. Value all life and advocate and crusade for human rights, but not if they're unborn children. What's up with that? Investigate our country's general election over the meddling of foreign powers, wasting valuable time, energy, and resources on a judicial witch hunt in order to smear our president but ignore the own tainted elections in the DNC that allowed crooked Hillary to win the Democratic nomination. 
And whose fault is it? Of course, it's President Trump. And of course, it's Republicans. Ever since losing so badly in 2016, Dems can't seem to stop whining, complaining, and flat-out bitching, excuse my language, about how hard their lives are. So what's the easy thing to do? Blame the politicians who work long and hard in order to get elected by you, the people. Not only do crazy left-wingers want to take our human rights away, but another after another mass shooting by a crazy MS-13 member, they want to take all of your firearms away, away from upstanding, hardworking Americans. And why? Because we're white. Because we won. Because we're winners. Look at 2016. Because we have this so-called white privilege, apparently, I don't know, because suddenly it's a crime to love the country you're from. When did Uncle Sam and God become enemy of Dems once they started losing? Let me tell this story, otherwise we're going to be here for an hour. Because the story is pretty extensive, and I, I know I told all you guys right after it happened, and I told uh, my friends in the moment, but one year later I realized um, that's the type of thing that you'll forget the finer details uh, before too long if you don't actually write it down or record it somewhere. So that's really the purpose of what I'm doing here, but I think it's an entertaining story. So uh, flashback to July 6th. Um, I work in the morning. My job in Evanston is my last shift ever there. And uh, I go pick up the budget truck. And first sign of trouble, I had requested, like, the smallest truck that they can give you because I really didn't have very much. I had, like, a bookcase, a dresser, a twin bed mattress, and, like, a couple boxes, and that's really what I had. I didn't have much. A desk that I had stolen from DePaul. What's the statute of limitations on that stuff? I don't. We're gonna find <laughs> out. Um, I don't think anyone important from DePaul. Is I point. think if you've had it for one Famous year, it's yours. Okay, that's good because I have it for two, I have three actually, almost now. Um, so I bring the well first sign of trouble. Uh, as I mentioned, they gave me like the medium, like one away from the large size truck. Remember how big my truck was last year and like how little stuff I had? Yeah, we didn't we didn't even fill up like a half of it. Which d- might seem like a good problem to have, but it's not when you like, I don't have like all the straps and stuff to like keep that stuff in place. So now I'm trying to drive from Chicago to the East Coast, like stuff sloshing around. And um, yeah, that was the first uh, first indication that things could go south. So bring it uh, down to Rogers Park. Uh, dear friend Sean, who is a absolute trooper, saved my ass twice with moving. I uh, really do appreciate that, Sean. Uh, helped me load up the truck. I think I got some J.B. Albertos or Giordano's, actually. Yeah. Good one, Sean. <laughs> I don't, okay, so we Let's recreate that. Up. Instant replay. Yeah. <laughs> Crickets. I should clarify that like, Quinn finishes, finishes his last shift at Northwestern, and then he gets home, and I basically have, like, gotten... I've been out of bed for, like, 15 minutes. Classic. And so, Quinn looks at me, and I look at him, and then we just go. We just start loading stuff up. Yeah. It was a hot day, uh, as it tends to be in early July in Chicago. Um, and I had to park... The moving truck wasn't, like, ridiculously far away, but it was down there on the other 
side of the street um and we had to like walk through that sprinkler every time so it was a it was it was more of a hassle than like what it should be but i was like okay this is fine we'll do it um we do that we have some pizza i I think i took the rest of the pizza um and uh i had to drive to muncie that night so staying with uh a, a girl out there um and that trip was fine it took me like four or five hours because it was just Chicago, Northwest Indiana traffic. Um, that was the end of day one. That was fine. So day two is where shit hits the fan. Uh, apologies for my language. It's about a 12-hour drive from the Indianapolis area out to um, Baltimore. And the drive itself really is is not a problem. I mean, that's a long ways to go by yourself in one day, but I knew what I had to do. I was up to the task. Uh, and you have, like, this nervous energy the whole time, too, because you're going to a new place, a new city I've never been to, like, starting a new job. This is all very exciting, all very fresh. So I, I had a pretty – I was tired, I was hot, but I had a positive attitude. I show up to uh, the now famous home of the podcast, 817 St. Paul Street, on Friday night, July 7th, at about 7 p.m., and uh, second sign of trouble. My, the person, like, not my landlord, but the management lady who was, like, helping me with details said, yeah, we'll have space out for your truck to, like, so that you're not blocking traffic. Well, there's no space like for my truck to be parked, so I'm blocking traffic, and I'm like, it just it's it's crazy hot. Um, if you've ever been to Baltimore in July, you know how hot it is, and I'm just like a little frustrated at this point. But I'm like, okay, we'll get my movers here, so we'll be fine. Third sign of trouble. Right as I pull in, the first thing I do, I've got my truck parked out in front. This is a it's a it's a two lane street, so I'm only blocking half of traffic. Um, but I get my keys real quick, and I go into my room just or go into my apartment just because it's my first ever apartment I've ever lived in by myself. Like this is exciting. I want to see what it actually looks like with my own eyes. Um, as I'm walking up, I get a text. I had hired some movers online to help me unload my truck. That's all I needed. It's going to be a basic job. They text me and say, "Hey, my guys are out in Frederick right now, which is a, a, an hour west of Baltimore." We're not going to be able to be there right now, but we can get there at, like, I think they said 9. And I was like, okay, this is not a deal, but I'm going to be patient. I'm going to let it happen. So I take my truck, and I pull it off to a side street so I'm not blocking traffic anymore. And I wait, and I wait, and my phone was not doing super well on battery because I had just driven from Muncie that day. Um, And it gets to be, like, 9.15 and nothing from this moving guy. And I call him. And he's like, yeah, our guys are still in Frederick. We're not going to come out tonight. And I was like, oh, cool. Thanks for uh, the heads up like an hour ago. And you obviously still knew that. Um, so at that point, I'm having like a major freak out. Um, I'm like, okay, well, when can you guys come out? He says, we can get there at 6 a.m. the next morning. I'm like, that sucks because I still have all my stuff in the truck and nothing in my apartment. But that's fine. At this point, this was my biggest mistake of the whole process. I was on a street where it was paid to park, but if I had read the signs, the actual like places where you go get your ticket closely, I would have seen that I could have left my truck there overnight, but I was like had never been in this city before, never really lived downtown anywhere in my life, um, and I was a little just kind of freaking out. So 
I improvised. I took my truck. It's like three miles away to the actual truck return place uh, where I was going to leave it when I was done. And I took it there at like 11 p.m. and left it there with all my stuff in it, locked up, took an Uber back to my apartment with just things that I could carry. I think I had a pillow and a suitcase or uh, and a sleeping bag and probably like my phone charger and my backpack. Um, and it was really sad. I went and got a pizza. I was like, it had been such a long day because I had driven 12 hours and it's had this whole fiasco. Um, but I was like, okay, I made it. I'm here. I wake up the next morning. I have to wake up at like 4.30 a.m. because I have to go get the truck before this place opens or else they're going to be like, why is this truck here with all this stuff in it? Take it back to my apartment and meet the guys there who are going to help me unload. So I go grab my truck, 5 a.m., drive it back to my apartment, um, and I get there, and I'm like, okay, I have all this stuff in the back of the truck. I can unload some of this by myself because I had plenty of boxes that were one-man jobs. Um, So I start to do that. And I keep going and I keep going. It's probably like six at this point when this guy's supposed to arrive. And all I have left are, it's my bookcase, uh, my dresser, my desk, and maybe one other thing. I don't remember exactly what it was. But things that, you know, Sean, from you and I having to move those things twice, you know, those are pretty heavy duty objects. Yeah, definitely not one person jobs. Yeah, that's straight up not one person jobs. And I get to the point where I'm like, so I, I hadn't paid this moving guy yet because I had his cash for him. And I was just like, I'm about to float this guy, whatever, it was like 200 bucks for him and his crew, however many people that is, to move like these four pieces. It's going to take them five minutes and I'm going to pay 200 bucks for this. And at that point, I was so tired and so pissed. I was like, I'm taking a moral and a physical stand and I'm not going to let this happen. So I like... Do what no man should ever do, and I like exercise my muscles, my back, my legs in ways that you shouldn't have to do. You have to go up two sets of steps to get like to the elevator in my apartment, and I managed to do that with the dresser, the bookshelf, all that stuff. And my back and my arms and my hamstrings were like pretty, not only sore, but like they had like tweaked themselves quite a bit that I was like not in good shape for about a week after that but I was like I did it so I get in the truck as I'm driving away this guy calls me and he's like yo we're just pulling up where are you and I was just like sorry dude like basically fuck you that's not what I said Um, but that's what I wanted to say Um, I drive the truck I return it back to the place I take one final uber back to my apartment and then from there it was I had two days, 48 hours before I was starting work, unloaded a bunch of stuff, um, was super sweaty. I hadn't showered in like three days, and uh, the rest is sort of history. But that was uh, the long-winded version of, of my moving experience last year. I did not have to move this year, which I'm uh, infinitely thankful for because moving is a pain in the butt, uh, as these guys here at Farwell are about to uh, experience again. Um but that was my moving story. I've lived in Baltimore for exactly one uh, year now. Uh, it's been full of ups and downs, but uh, I'm happy to be back here in Chicago this weekend to celebrate. I won't disclose her name just because she's crazy, and you'll see it. Um, not that she would ever discover this podcast, I don't think, but she's just crazy enough that it that that it could happen. Anyways, so 
Um, there's there's this girl. I was a it was my senior year of college, which was actually my junior year. It's my third year, but it ended up being my senior year. And I had basically maxed out the music theory, music history, um, musicology classes in the undergraduate curriculum um, where I went to school. And so being that that was what I was interested in, I requested to take some graduate courses. And, uh, of, of course, they, don't, they didn't care. Like I was, I was approved. I was accepted. So I was taking this um, music, uh, classical music post-World War II class, so 1945 to basically 21st century, which is some pretty trippy shit. Um, and I was, in, I was the only undergraduate student in this class. I was in it with all grad students. And there was this one grad student, a vocalist at my school, who had a pretty bad reputation at school for a bunch of different reasons. Two things, though. Number one, she was, uh, I'm pretty sure, addicted to crack, I think was her drug of choice. I never actually saw her do it. Um, but from the people I knew, I'm pretty sure it was... It was either it was either coke or heroin. It wasn't meth. It was one. It was coke or heroin. I don't remember which one, but I think it was coke. Um, and so she kind of had that reputation because that wasn't a common thing. I mean, everybody at school smokes pot, um, but to do coke was a pretty uncommon thing. To be able to do that and be a, you know, a master student studying vocal performance that's just like that. That's tough to pull off, frankly. Um, number two. Her side gig, I guess is her primary gig, because I don't know how else she would make money. She owned, like, her own dress-up-as-a-princess type company. Go to kids' like birthday parties and stuff. Very, very simple concept. She did that. Um, and I, I think that's fine, whatever. That's what you want to do, like, make kids happy. But when you combine that with the, the, the like constantly high on cocaine angle and she rode this scooter all around campus that kind of just added to the lore and here's the kicker she would come into class almost always late wearing her princess outfit still like how many classes did you guys get to take in college where you got to sit behind Snow White in every class? Um, so anyways, so it's pretty frequently, she'd come into class. I had my same spot I would sit in. ended up being right behind her. And I would take pictures. And I remember I had one really good caption that I posted to Facebook back when Instagram wasn't a big deal. Um, she was dressed as Cinderella. <laughs> and I said... Um, when when the ball starts at nine, or but you got night class or something like that, it was hilarious. It really racked up the likes. That was like the peak of my social media popularity. Although I am a social media influencer, as you all know, so thank you very much. Um, okay, so that happens. I had posted probably like I don't know three, maybe four times, just like pictures of her. I'm sitting behind her, so this is just her back, in like her, you know, Pocahontas and like her Jasmine and like. Aerial costumes, all that stuff. Anyways, this is on my personal Facebook. I'm not like tagging her any or anything. We're not friends. Um, it's just right. It's it's freaking hilarious. Anyways, uh, a little bit later, after I had posted a picture, I don't remember any sort of particular incident of any kind, but 
I get oh god, I'm trying to remember how this how this went. Okay. I get a Facebook message from her. We were not Facebook friends, but I get a message from her being and she's freaking out. Like I'm pretty sure she's fairly high at this point. And she like all caps, like, oh my god, you have to take it down. And I just think this is hilarious. Um so I, I you know, I'm playing with her a little bit. I'm pretty good at, at that that sort of like online trolling thing anyone who knows me so I'm, I'm having some fun with it next uh next thing you know i'm getting a like a facebook or like an email from her dad who is like some sort of uppity up rich somebody um which actually after the fact made a lot of sense because i'm pretty sure she was like not actually a good singer and probably failing most of those classes because she was high on drugs I think that her dad was like a huge donor to the school of music. And so the connection kind of makes sense. She was basically getting her master's degree for free because of her social status. Anyways, when I get that letter from her dad, I was like, okay, this isn't worth it. Like whatever. I got my likes. Okay, let's take it down. So I take it down and right. I'm thinking, okay, that's like the end of it, whatever. This was fun. Cool. Next thing up. Well, that wasn't the end of it. I got, three separate emails next i got one from our professor which was just like the most embarrassing thing because he was the head of the musicianship department and like one of my close one of the faculty members i was closer with on campus was like a very chill dude uh was like super nice it always been good to me and this this i'm gonna come out and say this bitch had emailed him bitching about my facebook post which was in no way insidious right like I think you're entitled to take a picture of somebody when they come into your class at 10 a.m. in the morning dressed like a princess. But anyways, that's just my personal belief. So now he was wrapped up in this. She also emailed my boss when I was an RA, which was just, like, stupid. And she emailed the dean of students. Like, what? what's even your complaint at this point? Not to mention the pictures are down. Anyway, so... I didn't have to do anything with my professor. He just emailed me. and was like, can you take them down? And I was like, yeah, I, like, I, I did, like, yesterday. And then, But then I get an email from my boss um, in, in Res Life, and I had to go meet with her. And I walk in, and she's just like, okay, so tell me what's going on. I tell her the story, which takes 30 seconds, way faster than the story I'm telling now because um, I'm just terrible at telling succinct stories now, apparently. And she just laughs, and she's like, but you, like, took the photos down, right? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay, everything's good. And I was like, I know. So I walked out of that. But then I had to go meet with the dean of students. And I walk in there, and I do the exact same thing. She's like, so tell me what's going on. So she tells me that you've been cyberbullying here. And I tell her, I posted this on Facebook. Like, here's what the picture was. Uh not tagging her or anything, not messaging her. There's no cyberbullying of any kind. The dean of students just laughs. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I don't, like, what else am I supposed to do? And the dean of students is like, all right, you're good, man. I was like, thank you. So that was uh, that was the, the princess story. Um, ended up being way too much of a hassle. Had to have multiple meetings about it. Um, but it uh, it was probably... The, the peak of my social media fame. So if if you guys want, if you think I should uh, re-upload a photo, I can go ahead and go find it because I still have it on my Facebook. I just changed the uh, viewing settings so that only I can see it um, so that one day I could make that glorious return. Um, because here's the thing. She found out 
I think because friends of a friend or something like that, I I wasn't Facebook friends with her. And I'm pretty sure that I'm even further removed. I'm really not friends with, I, I don't know, we could go on Facebook. We might have like one or two mutual friends. Um, but they're not people who I think I talk to, and I'm sure she doesn't talk to them. Anyway, so if you guys liked it, I'll uh, I'll re-upload. I think the Cinderella photo is the one I have. I, I'll put that back up there. That would be fun. Stuff like that there, that's a classic song. If you don't know Bette Midler doing stuff like that there from For the Boys, I want some hugging and some... Stuff like that there. Stuff like that there. I want some loving, hugging, touching. I want some stuff like that there. Bette Midler is unforgettable, as was that rendition. Watch this. Uh, this podcast is not going to get taken down for the killers. Apparently, it's going to be for Bette Midler now, although Bette's a saint. I know she's not doing it. It's probably Obama cronies or something. All this Russian, you know, wiretapping and stuff. They're probably just going for the Beantown podcast. So, um, mercy. Did not expect to be singing Bette Midler on this podcast. Uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead and get us started here. So the state of Alaska, you know, everyone knows it's big. It's a big place, you know, about half the size of Canada, all that good stuff. Did you know that the state of Alaska is actually larger than the rest of the 49 states combined? And here's the thing. So if, if you're looking at a map all of a sudden, you're thinking, hold up, that doesn't sound right. It's because in school you probably learned about maps. And the way they're drawn, you can look at a map, and depending on... The, the longitudinal effect, you might see Greenland, and it looks like it's the size of about Vermont, but in real life, Greenland is a big place, so it kind of works the same thing with Alaska. When you get up here, it's pretty large, uh, pretty tough to navigate. There's only, I think, what, 12 highways? So there's your, uh, your first fun fact of the day. Uh, another good one we learned, we were spending some time at Denali National Park this week, Denali is the tallest mountain in North America, about uh, 20,000 feet high uh, in that range. You can actually see three continents from Denali, which is really exciting. Uh, North America, of course. Asia, because you just look across the way, and there's Russia. And then actually, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, if you're up there and the Earth curves long enough, you can actually see Europe. I think it's down to Iceland or something. It's, it's good stuff. We weren't able... To get up to Denali, it usually takes, from what we read, about three weeks to do it, uh, and we were only there for about two days, so it would have been uh, it would have been a trek. We would have had to hire some sled dogs, but maybe next time. Uh, yeah, no, no. You guys, uh, you guys got any fun facts you want to throw out there for the listeners? Walt is a, a PhD student in geography, so he should should know some of this stuff. What do you guys think? Well, one thing that I think you might want to mention uh, since you're talking about how long it takes to climb Denali is the great story we learned about uh, the expedition that was actually the first to climb uh, Balto, part of, of Denali. Uh, yeah, not, not the highest. The highest point is the South Peak. That's uh, about 20,300 feet, 320, something like that. And, uh, but there's a North Peak that's about 900 feet lower. Still very impressive, just under 20,000. 
and uh, there was an expedition. Uh, Quinn, I don't know, do you want to lay into this, or should I go ahead? So I was just reading about it this afternoon. So in 1925, there was an outbreak of uh, diaspora on top of Denali. And if you've ever seen the movie Balto, you, you kind of know the story. He takes the serum from around the Fairbanks area. I think it was called, uh, it's not Nirvana, but it's similar to that. And takes it to the top of Denali, I think. Um, is that what you were talking about, Walt? <coughs> no, uh, no, I was actually referring to the, uh, <laughs> the expedition. Um, she, I can't remember the name now. It started with an S, but... Um, Shackleton. No, no, no. <laughs> That's a different Wait, one, No, too. I think it's Shackleton versus uh, Roald Dahl, Race to the South Pole. Um, so, no, you're thinking of the South Pole. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, no, I'm actually thinking of the, this Denali expedition. It was like 1910 or 1913, something like yeah, this. something like that. And uh, the, this, these guys were, were ballers. It was like a couple of miners. I think it was only like three guys. And then they, they decided that they this – one's, this one's a true story uh, – they're carrying this giant spruce tree flagpole, and they just decide they're going to climb the mountain. So they start at like 11,000 feet. That's their base camp. They uh, grab a thermos, some coffee, a bag of donuts, or maybe it was hot chocolate. Who knows? You know, legends. Or, uh, but anyway, they do this this return trip, 8,000 vertical feet in 18 hours. Which is just mind blowing. Um, Up and down. Yeah, yeah. So, t- I don't know. To me, that's that was the maybe the funnest, if you will, fact from uh, from the couple of days in Denali. I think that's a pretty fun fact. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was trying to think of of another one. So, uh, in the movie The Gray, Liam Neeson stars with a whole bunch of wolves. Um, a lot of people think that that was uh, filmed in Alaska, but it wasn't. That was another fun fact that I, I learned on this trip. Here's one that I think uh, the listeners might enjoy uh, doing as sort of a trivia question. So uh, there's this thing. It's called Baked Alaska. Now, a lot of people don't know what this is. So uh, here are your choices, A, B, and C. A, Baked Alaska is a, a fish, commonly halibut, but sometimes cod or maybe salmon. Uh, you know, kind of in a casserole style, a lot of like crumbly golden stuff on top, really delicious. Uh, that's A, okay. Uh, B, uh, Baked Alaska is a show about stoners in Fairbanks. Um, and I tell you, you drive through some of these some of these seas in Alaska, and you never know what you're going to find. It's always an adventure. I think we'll be more on that shortly. So that's B, Baked Alaska. And uh, C for Baked Alaska is a, it's a dessert, kind of like a creme brulee sort of thing, a lot of coconut. Uh, if you get in a really nice place, it'll be dusted with some, like, alpine moss. Um, so there you have it, A, B, and C. Maybe we should reveal the answer later in the podcast. Well, uh, I wanted to... Uh mention that coconut a lot of people think okay coconut tropical tom hanks uh castaway coconut actually originally from alaska which is pretty cool if you get down by the glaciers because of the uh, i think it's uh el nino current you'll actually see some some balmier weather uh saw a lot of seagulls Uh, we didn't see any palm trees but i don't think it's in season in late july but uh that is a good fact. Uh, this is a little bit uh, kind of like uh, trivia time or, or 
quiz time, whatever they call it on the Car Ride Convos podcast. So Ryan and Kristen, when you, uh, if you make it this far, uh, a little homage to you guys, your inspiring podcasts all across the world. We will reveal the answer in a little bit here. I think Walt was hinting at a little bit of uh, an adventure that we had last night. So uh, we're leaving Denali around, I don't know, 7 o'clock or so. And uh, we're not not super hungry yet, but at some point, you know, it's a, it's closer to a four-hour drive to Anchorage. We're going to be looking for some sort of food along the way. So you get going, and you're driving down. And a lot of people don't realize this, but there aren't as many uh, towns or people in Alaska. Um, you know, you, you might think, oh, it's Alaska. It's, it's kind of out there. It might be more like the suburbs. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's a little bit more... Uh, 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 retro, it's not the word I'm looking for, rural. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a little retro, too. We've seen some cool VW vans. But uh, anyway, so we're, we're driving along, and uh, we've got the iPad, uh, which goes in and out of uh, a 4G LTE service. So we're looking for potential places to go, and the first problem we encounter is that even though it's a Friday night, um, there aren't that many places in the state of Alaska that are open past... You know, 9 o'clock. Sometimes you get lucky, you see one that's open till 10 o'clock. So uh, this is kind of what we're up against here. And uh, we, we, we find a couple different places dealing with a lot of closures. Eventually we identify uh, the Willow Trading Post, which is uh, kind of like a dive bar um, with food that has no uh, website, no menu or anything, but really good reviews on Facebook, mostly. So uh, we're saying, okay, we'll do this. It's, uh, it's about three hours, uh, two and a half, three hours from Denali. So we, we hop on down there, and everything's good. We find it fine. We get out. We're walking in. It's like, what is it? It's about 9.30, 10 at this point. Because uh, I think the, our problem was that the kitchen ended up being closed at 9. So we walk in super excited to get some food. And immediately, before we even get to the door, this lady opens the door. And I, my first thought was that she was just leaving. But no, she uh, says, I, I don't even remember what her opening line was, but something about this guy named Travis Webb. And there were a lot of uh, expletives thrown in. Uh, something like Travis... Travis Webb, you effing something better. You better not come into my bar. And uh, we were all taken a little aback. I think there was a little bit of nervous energy already going into <laughs> this dive bar in uh, very rural Alaska, not quite feeling like we fit in. Um, I had been wearing my Baltimore Ravens shirt, which had caused a lot of trouble among the local Browns. A lot of consternation. fans. Uh, fun fact, another fun fact about Alaska, people do not like the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> been wearing my Central Oregon Community College Bobcat sweater without any issue, but people do not like the Baltimore Ravens. But anyways, um, thankfully... I am not Travis Webb. I am Quinn David Furness, host of the Beantown Podcast, uh, which I told her. And uh, so she said, all right, that's, that's okay. You guys, uh, come on in. I thought you were Travis Webb. Uh, so we get in there, and uh, she's the bartender and, I think, owner. And the town drunk. Yeah, everything uh, of this bar. And so we grab a table, and uh, <clears throat> I've never seen the movie, but according to my brother Walt, it's similar to the Patrick Swayze film Roadhouse. Roadhouse. 
Uh, yeah, I'll, we're going to have to watch that next week. Um, and so we sit down, and of course, we're really excited for food, and uh, our uh, our lady comes back over, and, and we ask her about the food. She says, no, the kitchen's closed at 9, but we have chips, um, which uh, my first thought was, like, maybe uh, maybe this is a British bar. Maybe we're actually getting some French fries. Uh, turns out they were fun-sized bag of Doritos, uh, which we were not expecting at this bar. So we, we all get <coughs> some bottles of PBR, and we've got a bag of Doritos, and it was a pretty uh, – ended up not being our full dinner, thankfully, but it was a pretty sad – uh, first dinner. This bar was crazy. There was an old guy playing pool with this uh, uh, middle-aged hottie, let's say, and this other younger guy who's kind of zoning in uh, on it like a polar bear watching a ptarmigan parade, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Uh, put that in the good idea list, ptarmigan parade. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think if there's any, is there anything else really good from this story? Oh, we asked her about Travis Webb, uh, who this guy was, and I was doing my best to not pay attention and listen to the Elton John that kept playing from the jukebox, surprisingly. There were some big Elton John fans at this bar. Um, And apparently it was just this guy who had slept around quite a bit and made a few enemies, so... um, I mean, a similar profile to myself, but I'm an East Coast guy. Travis Webb is an Alaska guy. So we'll try to hook up with him next week, maybe get him on the podcast. I think that would be fun for a, a phone interview. But uh, we uh, we had our PBR and chips, which uh, that's got to be a good name for something, PBR and chips. And uh, we paid our bill and got out of there. And uh, that was our experience at the willow trading post so if you ever find yourself in willow alaska you know where you should go uh get some pbr get some chips ask about travis webb because they'll they'll have some stories for you boy quinn it's uh, it's too bad you didn't choose the tuba you could have won some musician instrument lookalike contests <laughs> all right moving forward our next broster is steve Furness. All right, thanks everybody. It's great to be here today to roast this great American. Who are we? Who are we honoring? <laughs> no, really, Quinn. It's great uh, to have all eleven of your listeners together in the same room. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Jack Links earlier, and uh, Jack Links and the Bean Town Podcast have a lot in common. They both give me indigestion. <laughs> I see you guys were playing Bananagrams earlier today. You know, uh, last night, Quinn accidentally ate a couple of those Bananagram tiles. I think that next trip to the bathroom is going to spell disaster. (laughs) Just kidding, Quinn. You know, I know you're a great guy because you tell me all the time. Uh, As you can see, Quinn's a big guy. Uh, He's always been a big guy. I remember when Quinn was born... The nurse went to weigh him and put him on the scale, and a piece of paper popped out that said, one at a time, please. (laughs) You know, people don't know this, but Quinn's first onesie said, does this onesie make my thighs look big? (laughs) Um, When Quinn was little, I used to pay the ice cream driver to keep on going. Jane once told me she thought Quinn was spoiled, but I told her, I think a lot of kids smell like that. 
You know, we always used to let Quinn take the family picture when he was a kid. That way he wouldn't be in the shot. <laughs> but now Quinn's all grown up, and I hear he started dating. I guess that last date didn't go so well. The girl showed up with pigtails under her arms. <laughs> Quinn's got a good job now, but it hasn't always been that way. You know, Quinn was fired from his first job as a proofreader for the M&M company. <laughs> uh, his next job was working at a fire hydrant factory, but he had to quit because you couldn't park anywhere near that place. <laughs> All kidding aside, Quinn, Quinn's grown into a fine young man, and we're very proud of him and glad to spend this week together. So keep up the good work. It was a hundred degrees as we sat beneath a willow tree whose tears they didn't care. Ladies hung in the air and refused to fall, to fall. And I knew I'd made a horrible call. And now the state line felt like the Berlin Wall. And there was no doubt about what side I was on. I built you a home in my heart with rotten wood and decayed from the start. Because you can't find nothing at all if there was nothing there all along. No, you can't find nothing at all if there was nothing there all along. Treacherous streets and kids strung out on homemade speed, and we shared a bed in which I could not sleep. But oh, because that night the sun in a tree made the skyline look like crooked teeth in the mouth of a man who was devouring a Slurring your speech with the clothes in the bar And then ask us to leave Cause you can't find nothing Oh, there was nothing there all along No, you can't find nothing Oh, there was nothing there all along No, you can't find nothing Oh, there was nothing there all along there were churches, theme park, and malls, but there was nothing there all along. <laughs> guys have any uh, good food on your way down, like Sparrow Pizza or Chipotle oh, or man. something unique to so that Northeastern experience? That was a sad story because I feel like one thing that we've also said many a time, because at one point when I was traveling from Syracuse, or I had a travel assignment in Syracuse, New York, and I was driving back to Boston almost every weekend, which is like a four-and-a-half-hour drive. And we were just mentioning how there's not very many, like, the Midwest, I feel like, is just cram full of plazas and oasis or whatever you want to call it, depending on what part of the country you're in. And there's a part of 
Massachusetts for sure, where you have like one and then there's not one for another like two or three hours. Upstate New York is pretty dead. I don't know yeah. what is it if it's 90 or which highway it is that goes like by Syracuse. But I remember I drove from Chicago to Boston one time and there's just like nothing there uh-huh. in upstate New York and like no right. highway exits for like 20 yeah. miles. Yeah, it's exactly. just not what you expect. Yeah. And the one that we decided to stop at because I was starving was one that had a Roy Rogers, which is a dumpster <laughs> fire of like all food, trash food, instant diarrhea. Yeah. Um, Cinnabon, which it's not terrible, but not good road food. I mean, and then a Nathan's, which is hot dogs, which was like advertising all these like chili cheese bacon ranch mm, something. Perfect for the car. <laughs> right. Yes, I mean, yes. we were, that's what we were saying is that all this food, like this is just a disaster waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, why do they not have food that's actually travel worthy? But yeah, um, so we decided to stop there, kind of found a little marketplace that had like just like safe like sandwiches and like safe sandwiches. safe sandwiches. <laughs> And I got just, like, hummus and pretzels or something. Yeah. But then the very next stop, Ryan was devastated because pretty much stop after stop, they had a Pizza Hut Express, which is, like, just favorite me. thing because Dude. personal pan pizzas is, like, his jam. And he was just torn up about it the rest of the God way. himself curates the Pizza Hut Expresses around the United States <laughs> and blesses them with his eternal blessings, okay? And I had to settle for a... Turkey cheddar Dijonet sandwich, which, you know, on paper sounds great, but when it comes served on the first recipe of bread created by mankind, that's stale as King Tut himself, uh, and the Dijonet is literally 99 parts whole grain mustard and 100th parts mayonnaise. Is it even Dijonese or is it just mustard? Okay, and then, I mean, yeah. it was, it was dry. It, it was, let's just say it was dry. Well, walk me through a little bit more this this fascination with Pizza Hut Express. Where did that come from? You know, there's something super nostalgic about. I mean, you can take me to any pizza place, the best in the world, you know, and it's great. I love really good pizza. It's really great. But nothing is more beautiful than a stuffed crust Pizza Hut pizza. Yeah. And second to that is a Pizza Hut personal pan. Either You either got to go Supreme or Pepperoni. Yeah. Oh, you either got to go everything totally. on it or Classic. If you can beg them to put the pepperonis on the Supreme, you're a legend. Ooh. It's never happened for me before. But I've heard rumors. <laughs> there are multiple threads on 4chan that I've seen where it's happened. Um, My nostalgia comes from Book It. Yes. And going to Pizza Hut, and I know a lot of people, you know, they always have these niche places, like, oh, this specific pizza place, and it's, like, local to that area is, like, the best pizza ever. And to some degree, I still am, like, a garbage human and really, really enjoy Pizza Hut pizza. Mm. And specifically, we're really attached to Stuffed Crust Pizza because it is really good. But their pan pizza is also good. Those but personal pan pizza, because they seem to be a rare find nowadays, is like a diamond in the rough. Yeah. And passing them one after another after we had been at that one plaza that was just garbage that food. That caramelized, <laughs> oily crust. I mean, there's fewer things, okay? Sure. Cocaine. Sex. Personal pan pizzas from Pizza Hut Express. There is no more list. That is that the is, pinnacle. That is the pinnacle of humanity, the triangle yeah. of... A utopia. 
It is that is what utopias are built on: cocaine, sex, and personal pan pizzas from Pizza Hut Express. Well, as someone who's only experienced one of those things, I can't really <laughs> attest to how good Pizza Hut or sex is. So, anyways, did you guys have any restaurants in Rockford growing up? Like not pizza, but like actual Rockford restaurants that you were like favorite places to go to or go tos or I don't know. Did you have anything like that? Well, I mean, this is still on the same thing as pizza. In Roscoe, they have Pietro's. Did you ever have Pietro's? I never pizza? had Pietro's, oh. no. Pietro's was a gold mine. And the thing is, like, once we... We haven't lived in Rockford for, like, five and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like right when we were leaving, it started to pick up. People started to, like, kind of find this, like, you know, how great that place was. Because it really was so inexpensive, too. It kind of had... They had their... My favorite thing to get was, like, their pan pizza, which was really, like, just, like, super, super deep dish, like, deliciousness. Pepperoni, black olive pizza. And it was, like, what? Like, I don't know, $12 or something? Like, And it was huge. Yeah. So that definitely was a staple for me. Yeah. A staple for me would be across the street from Temple Baptist and State Street Station, which was the local strip club. Was this place called Ground Round? Yes. It was so good. It had the best kids menu in all of Rockford. And so you'd top off the night. So you just anything off that glorious kids mo- kids menu, you know you're going to be killing it. I think it burned down, didn't it? It did. It eventually did. Yeah. Rest in peace, you know. Yeah. The world will never be the same. But for dessert, you got a free kids gummy worm Oreo sundae. I think they were called like mud pies or, yeah. or something, yeah. and they were served, or maybe it was the ice cream. Maybe there's two different things I'm talking about, but one of them was served in a plastic uh, MLB baseball helmet bowl that you could keep for yourself. In Rockford? In Rockford, and wow. they only had two teams, and it was either the Cleveland Indians or the Baltimore Orioles. What? Is the only one. Bullshit. You Come would on. never get a Cubs one, even if you tried. <laughs> And those are the only two yes. teams. That's so Rockford. That's so Rockford. But it was so great, and then it burned down, and then my life would never my be mom, the same. My mom literally, um, we pulled into Hallstrom one Tuesday morning, and she's like, I don't want to be here. Do you want to leave? And I was like, okay. Oh, and we, we, we went to have lunch at the ground round and then just went home. <laughs> it was probably one of the greatest days of my life. Uh, <laughs> any day at the ground round is a great day. Yeah, I know. We used to we used to go to Lino's oh, every Lino's so like oh, we weren't allowed to trick or treat growing up. Okay. So Halloween we would always go to Lino's and then go to Toys R Us, rest in peace, oh, nice. um, to like oh, get a Game Boy game or something. But yeah, I remember growing up just because of the way like the infrequency that we went there like once a year it was a tradition. I always thought Lino's was like the greatest Italian place on earth, and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like. $12 for like spaghetti or something which is like cheaper than Olive Garden now so mm-hmm. I mean it was still a yeah. solid place but after having gone to some other Italian places I think uh, Lino's probably isn't as great as I thought it once was we're sorry the number you have dialed is not in service at this time uh, the NFL season starts in three weeks and <laughs> for those of you who don't know we have a family league um, made up of Fernai, Denison Rue and I guess Johnson's now. Uh, the Great White North is going into season 13, unbelievably, yes. in what promises to be the most spooktacular uh, season yet. I'm pretty confident that the Gary Busey Halloween Kia commercial is going to pop up in at least 
one or two notes a week. Um, but but we're very we're <laughs> we're very blessed to be joined by the the commissioner himself. Uh, it, it's kind of like being the Queen of England. You know, it's more of a title, and you don't really have any power. But but we respect you, anyways. Um, so, Uncle Andy, if you, if you could uh, tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a fantasy football commissioner for those of us listeners who who've never had that experience before. It's it's an almost unbelievably weighty and stressful position. I mean, every year it takes months of preparation. Um, you know, a, a, a lot of flack from every side. No one's ever happy. You know, but you do it because you love the game. You do it because of family. You do it because of tradition. You do it because you just are the only one that really can do it because nobody else is good enough, I guess is the way to put it. But I'll tell you what, thinking back on 13 years, we've had a lot of fun. And I'll, I mean, thinking back 13 years ago, you and Jack and Walt, I mean, you guys were were kids. And, you know, and, and uh, uh, I remember when uh, I used to do the, the recaps, you know, tried to do the recaps of the pre, pre-game you know, prognostications and, uh, you know, the games when they were done. And this was, it was, we, we did everything online, but there's a lot more things out there now that will, you know, auto-populate with a lot of, you know, pseudo, like, uh, you know, newspaper column recaps. But we've had a lot of fun. And, boy, you guys have done a great job of taking that, you and Walt especially. Um, once in a while, Jack will get in there. Usually he's not as verbose, but when he does jump in, you know it's high qual. You know it's great. I think I recall. It's yeah, been, it's been it's been an awesome, awesome time. I I honestly look forward to it. I can't imagine actually not having it now. That's something we're going to have to make sure we do. You know, from here to eternity. You know. Yeah, I I'm glad you mentioned that about Jack. I think I recall one uh, note maybe six or seven years ago where he did a little. Rappers delight, uh, Sugar Hill Gang, <laughs> yeah. something going on with fantasy football lyrics. But yeah, uh, doesn't post a ton, but uh, but when he does, you can tell it's quality content. Uh, speaking of, of of good memories or, or great moments, what have been some of your? Excuse me, as I belch into the microphones, what have been some of your favorite memories or moments from twelve years of the Great White North? Any as specific as you want, or as broad as you want? And you mentioned some things already, but but what have you really liked about it? I'll tell you what: the, the year that uh, Grandpa's team won, I think it was two thousand nine, won the Super Bowl. That was pretty fun because you know, Grandpa, you can never have enough tight ends and not fully understanding how fantasy football works. When you drafted like four or five of them, you're like, oh, this could get a little a little dicey, but. Year that he won, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, oh, the, the games where you would have something like one seventy six to one sixty one or something, and, and Walt would be able to rattle off, you know, probably the year and week of whatever season it was. But some of those games where you're like, everything was just hitting on every cylinder for each team. Some of those, you know, incredible high scoring games were a lot of fun to watch. The ties, which once again Walter <laughs> always seems to fall into, it's king of like, ties. Yeah, it's it's like a trap, you know. You just can't help but walk into them. Um, some of the uh, uh, controversy, I think, is too strong of a word, but <laughs> we've been in the playoffs. We've had a tie, and we have to go to the rule book, and then we're kind of going, yeah, the rule book is a little bit ambiguous even on this one. Those have always been fun in the fact that we've always been, you know, really very competitive, but good sports throughout it has been great. Um, I think the comments, like we were talking about, you go back sometimes and you read some of them, and you just laugh. And I have to tell you this, Quinn. 
um, your Auntie Wendy, who is not a football fan. I mean, she's like, okay, great, the Packers won, but, you know, who really cares? Excuse me, as I've read those sometimes to her, she's always been very impressed, and she said, Quinn really should become a sports writer. He's so good at this. That's what he should be doing. So I'm just telling you, if you ever fail miserably at all these ventures in your life, just remember Auntie Wendy thinks that you'd be a great sports writer, you know, kind of a Dave Barry for the NFL or something like that. So, so hey, we're, we're all we're all rooting for you, and especially your auntie there. So uh, she uh, she's always appreciated your your wits and insight. But th- those are some of the things that come to mind from a from a thirty thousand foot level over the years. Well, I appreciate hearing that. And, and speaking of you know handsome and industrious, I will mention that I opened up my first ever. This is a true story. Today. I opened up my first ever CD online, you know, because I've been, you know, wasting my life with savings and checkings accounts for, I don't know, almost 10 years now. And now here come the big bucks. It's it's going to be huge. So when you when you come out to Beantown and you see my mansion and my uh, my big screen TV and uh a winning fantasy football team. You're going to know where that came from. Go check it out. CDs, that's the way of the future. That and floppy disks. So that's what I'm investing in. Um, there you go. I, I have a, a kind of a specific pointed question for you. Who do you think your most handsome nephew to have never won it all is? If we're comparing me versus Jake, where do you think it falls? Wait, your question is who is the most handsome? That's correct. To have never won it all. Oh, oh, who's the most handsome that has never won it all? Yeah. Of, of my nephews. Mm. Well, let's see. Um, that kind of narrows it down just a tad. Um, by default, I have to sadly admit it's you. <laughs> that's, that's the answer we were looking for. Next question. Uh, tips or advice for any up-and-coming commissioners out there? Um, if you don't have a group that is uh, willing to engage with each other, have a little bit of you know fun, uh, you know you gotta you gotta crack you know a few ribs, but you know not so much that the blood's pouring out. You know, seed uh, that commentary. You've got to have that because that makes it all the fun. Um, I know some people who say, "Oh, if there's no money involved, how can it be fun?" And I completely disagree because our league obviously Quinn as you know uh, exchanges no money it's all on pride but I can't imagine having a more fun league so I would say definitely make sure you get that going Um, be willing to be creative with the points some people are real sticklers on you know you know PPR leagues and things like that I would say don't be afraid to put a little bit more splash into your scoring for instance our field goals um they, they get up to, what is it, five points if you get above 50 yards or something like that? Yeah, the, the something like that. Can be quite robust in scoring. Yep. And um, what I like about that is it evens things out because it's not just offense or just, you know, make sure you get your running back. And then if you don't get a good running back or, or fall lucky with uh, picking up a free agent, then, you know, you're, you're kind of out of luck. There have definitely been some sleeper teams through the years because – we're a little bit more equitable as far as how we have uh, some of the scoring. Could put a couple bonus points out there if you get above, let's say, what is it, like 175 yards of rushing or 150 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that makes it fun. And be willing to let people in the league have input. Um, we've had some times where 
we've talked about some things and said, yeah, you know what, I think that's a good rule change. That's fine. Um, be flexible. Make it fun. Um, don't be a stickler. Uh, I think everybody understanding that, uh, you know, the, the more that you are able to make it fun. Oh, and also another thing I'll say is that we have a 10-team league, and going to the playoffs, it's the top four. <laughs> so, so as far as, like, the wild card or something, we are all for the wild cards. And even um, as we go into our playoffs, we have just about every week, every team is still involved with it. Some teams don't give a damn, and they don't put anybody in their roster or whatever. But we have, you know, the toilet bowl, the first flush, second flush, and what is it, the third and won't flush league won't flush, uh, yeah. championships. So we, we keep things going even if it's just for silly fun. But I like having it that at the end of the season, you could be, you know, five and eight or something like that. But, hey, if your team's getting hot at the right time or your quarterback didn't blow a, a, a knee out, hey, you're still in this thing. Yeah, it's pretty so, rare yeah. Pretty rare in our league for the dominant team to just walk into the playoffs and clean up. That happened this past year. Waltz had a team that was yep. just unflappable and had no major controversy or no major issues, except I think he did tie – New Steve in the opening round, and we had a little bit of a uh, a controversy with the rules. But then after that, he just or no, that that's not right. That that might have been two years ago. Last yeah, last year I okay. Now it's it's all coming back to me. Last year, Walt finished way ahead of everybody else in standings and points scored, all that stuff. I was second in points scored, but somehow that in the, in the entire league. But that came out to fourth in the division magically. And so I had the the pleasure of playing the uh, juggernaut himself in the first round, and that was quickly the end of that. So, yeah. yeah it, no, uh, no doubt. And I'll tell you what. I, I think if you have a good philosophy to winning, like we talked about Grandpa drafting four, five, six tight ends, and it doesn't always work for you. Um, my attitude is, hey, you, you draft, you immediately find out they're all losers, they get injured, they were, you know, you were reading from a 2006 draft catalog, you know, <laughs> oops, I'm off my decade, my mistake. Um, but then, you know, thank goodness that we don't have uh, these stringent rules on uh, pickups and free agency. You know, it's it's wide open. It's it's like the dark web, man. Anything goes. Um, you know, there, there's no cost. Um, you can do it any time. There's no, you know, hey, it opens at Thursday at 8 o'clock. Nah, you know, 3 a.m. on a Tuesday. Time to pick up a new player, you know. Uh, with all those things, my philosophy has got me two Super Bowls, which is drafting, who needs it? You know, hey, just find out who's uh, scoring, you know, some points around the second week. Yeah, you might get lucky and win a Super Bowl. There you go. This is from the man who once drafted Andrew Luck and Tony Romo in the first four rounds and ended up winning a Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. So anything is, is possible. Uh, I, got, I got one last question about fantasy football before we, we move on here to a couple other topics. Uh, let's, let's pick the brain of a, of a 12-year veteran commissioner and a two-time Super Bowl champion who who do you like in the draft this year? Who's standing out to you? I know you I know you do a mock draft once every you know every day or so. So you, you got to have some good yeah. ideas at this point. I, I know you're a big mock drafter. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, one of my things has always been uh, you know pick a uh, pick a quarterback or something something like that in the first round, which usually doesn't work out well because, like you said, many of these quarterbacks tend to uh, fade away by the, the third week. Um, 
I'll tell you what, last year I really should have um, done more analysis on some of the up-and-coming running backs. You know, looking like at uh, uh, Kamara and stuff like that. Like a Cadillac Williams year. type. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hope that I can get at least one decent running back that, you know, doesn't fall off the face of the earth. Um, I've, I've never really subscribed to that. Now, there was there was one year I think that you went after some ungodly amount of wide receivers. Am I, am I remembering that right? Uh, that sounds like every year, yeah. Yeah, and you were thinking that you're going to stock up on them and people are going to come to you like, you know, you've got, you know, all the lollipops that the kids want. I don't think it really panned out for you, but, you know, sometimes I think maybe that might be another philosophy, you know, try to try to get like all the top running backs in the first couple of rounds. Oh, wait a minute. They'll already be gone. I guess that won't work. But, um, yeah, no, my, my thought this year is try to get at least one decent running back. I... I am really bad at picking out uh, a running back that will be tried and true throughout the years. When I very first started, way back when I was in Wausau, there was a work league, and I had Ladanian Tomlinson just as he was coming on, and I rode that guy to two consecutive Super Bowls, and I haven't learned from (laughs) doing that. So, you know, hey, if there's another, you know, uh, LD out there that I can find before he becomes a, you know, a great star, that's that's probably my going to be my key to victory but i would say yeah don't play play smart the first couple rounds don't get too crazy go go for a sure you know uh like antonio brown if if maybe he's you know available or was it hopkins last year i think was our number one wide receiver in our league yeah so yeah i would i would go for some of that stuff and then hey you know in our league a defense in the fourth round maybe not such a stretch if it's going to be like jacksonville last year i mean those guys ran the, the table with points it was nuts it's true yeah but I also figure, hey, it's a Saturday night. Why can't I have a good time? You know, even though I'm going to be by myself, none of my friends that I reached out to were available. So I was just kind of doing me in more ways than one. But I, so I go to Benny's Beverage Depot, a Chicago institution, the place to get your liquor and your libel and your beer and your libations, all that stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, wine is what I'm looking for because I had, I had been drinking a lot of beer. I hadn't had a bottle of wine in a while. So I say, let's, let's do some wine. Let's do a nice oaky, gravelly red to pair with my pizza. And I say gravelly, and you might think that I'm just being foolish no, this wine I, that I ended up getting last night, you can read the, f- the the flavor profile from the producer on the little next to the price before you buy anything. And this, ha- this wine, I swear to God, the secondary tastes, I don't remember exactly what, what all of them were, but one of them was gravelly. So if any of my listeners out there are wineists or brewers or apiarists let me know and you can explain gravelly to me how did how do you even make a wine gravelly what's that process like anyways i digest the wine situation is that i don't have a corkscrew that i travel with i don't know if you can fly tsa with a corkscrew i've never actually looked that up I would guess not, although 
really who knows. Long story short, I don't have one. So it's a simple situation, right? You just make sure you get a bottle of wine with a cap. You don't get one with a cork. Well, here's where the mix-up happened. So I walk into Binnie's and boom, first thing, right when you get in the door, there's a nice lady standing there and she's got vodka samples. Well, you know, I in many cultures, they, they'll cut your hand off if you don't try the vodka and me not having really been to Naperville before, I say, I, look, if they're saying try it, you better believe I'm going to try it. It's just vodka. You know, there are a bunch of other things that I would, you know, do before uh, before my limits would hit. Anyways, so there's this peach-infused vodka, and I do some of it, and it's fine. I wasn't there for vodka, though. And so I, sorry, as I lose my train of thought here. I was watching the TV and they were showing the Eagles do the electric slide last year against the Bears and I had forgotten about that and how much I absolutely loved it and so I had to pull it up on YouTube so I can watch it after this. I get my vodka shot and this was a healthy pour, a very, very healthy pour. And not that, you know, I'm not buzzed off of that but it does, it gives you a kind of a, an internal kick and I started thinking about something else and spacing out a little bit. And, of course, I'm just kind of perusing the halls of Binnie's, me knowing literally nothing about wine. All I can tell you is there's there's white, there's red, and then if you mix them, you get a pink. Well, I'm thinking, okay, I know I want a red because white's too sweet. It gives me a headache. If I'm pairing it with pizza, I really, I really want a red. So... I had completely forgotten about the entire cork versus cap situation. You all know where this story is going. I find a wine that looks pretty cool. It's Lion brand. I want to feel like the king of the jungle when I'm drinking my wine. And, of course, I get back to my hotel. And, actually, it wasn't like pull it out, like time to drink. It was I actually got in my car right after I'd purchased it, and I realized what I had done. Of course, I got a bottle of wine with a cork in it. So, I watch a couple YouTube videos, just getting some different ideas for how to get the cork out of a wine bottle when you don't have a corkscrew. And there are some options that are relatively straightforward. Like if you have... Well, one of them was physically like a hook that you might have in your wall that you can take out, and it's like a screw. Other ones are like hammer and nail. Well, turns out in most Midwestern hotels, they don't provide a hammer and nail. I don't want to talk about it. Anyways, the next kind of viable option here was they say put your car key, insert a car key into the cork at a 45-degree angle, which is a lot tougher then that might sound on paper. So I do that, and the problem is I got this cork that's, you know, 100% all-natural West African ivory, and so this thing just crumbles right away when I start to do that. And basically what I'm doing is just digging a hole into the center of this cork, 
and the card key's not staying, and the cork's not moving at all. Not that it's supposed to at this stage, but there's just, I'm not going to be able to get any grip on that. So that idea is out the window. The next option is to kind of put a hole in it as I was doing, and then there's something you can do with a shoestring where you tie a knot, and then basically what you try to do is stick it in there as far as, po- as, far as possible. But I, now that I think about it, I, I don't remember exactly how it works. Long story short, I didn't have any shoestrings that are thin enough to be able to pull anything off like that. So that option was a bust. The next thing they say is to wrap a towel around your wine bottle, around the sides and the bottom, and bang it up against the wall. Well, here's my issue there. I'm in a hotel that has about six floors full of people, and I just... You know, not really feeling that option because I did it a couple times and I tried out a couple different surfaces, doors, floors, tables, no matter what I do. It's crazy loud, even with the towel, and I'm really not seeing any change. The next option, as laid out by the Internet, is to hold the wine bottle upside down, same thing with the towel. Wrap it around the sides, wrap it around the bottom. And smack it with your shoe. And, well, you know, I, I haven't been lifting lately, so I'm feeling a little weak. And after about probably two minutes of smacking, we had seen zero millimeter movement with the uh, wine bottle. So that option is off the table. And at this point, I'm really getting desperate because what I wanted to do was get the wine bottle out, not get it further in. So we're kind of left with one option here, right? And that is get the wine bottle into the bottle of wine. It was kind of my last resort. It was not what I wanted to do. But alas, that's where we were. So next thing, and this didn't seem like it was going to be the tough part about it, but it turns out to be the tough part, was, well, it's really tight in there. It's really wedged in there. How am I supposed to push this all the way down? And it's not like you just got to give it one firm blow. It is a series of repeated blows because you got to get it all the way out of that neck. So... I tried out a couple different things. I was using some podcasting materials. I tried to use the handle on the door. Eventually, I got lucky. I went into the closet, and Quinn came out of the closet, as he's known to do, and I get the the coat hanger out. And these coat hangers were wood with a couple of wires to help. Um, not even wires, like steel, I don't know what you'd call it, to kind of help with the framework. Anyways, there was one hanger in there that was already kind of busted, and part of the wood and a rod at the bottom that you would hang it on, the dowel, whatever you want to call it, was already, like, out of the wire. And so I was able to use that, and it kind of looked like I was, you know, in the old Revolutionary War days when you're, 
you shoot your gun and then you got to put the gunpowder back in there. That's what it felt like and that's what it looked like. So I did that and it took a really, really long time. And I had to do some different things with the towel to make it more uh, padded for my hand that was pushing because it wasn't a very comfortable situation. And it was making progress. It was very slow progress. It wasn't just like stick it in there and push. It was like a series of repeated jabs. And the whole time I'm just like mashing up this cork, mashing it all together, and also trying to get it down in there. And eventually, finally, thank God, after probably an entire process that was close to an hour, I got it. And I uh, drank about half of it, and then I fell asleep. So I've got the other half waiting for me this afternoon. Looking forward to that in the fridge. Are you, uh, yeah. how do you feel about the lyrics on this um, song? I have uh, it up here and I have it up here. Double time, excellent. Double time, I can't look at both of the songs. All right, <clears throat> this is song number two of four. We will keep you to four unless we get divine inspiration. Maybe we could play a hymn or something. Hymns and hers. Okay, good. take number two, thank you. You ready? Oh, yeah, but, <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. You see what I have to deal with? <laughs> no, okay, so I was kind of ready, hold on. You know, this is live air. I know it is, all right, go ahead. Fans are, are clamoring. Yeah, I know, but I'm not going to start if you're not ready. Go ahead.
That's better, isn't it? No. <laughs> you sounded no, amazing. I get tam- uh, performance anxiety, I think, is what it is. Yeah, this is the biggest stage you've had. Biggest in, stage I've had. In days. Water. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Matthew, you were telling a story about a certain uh, rug. Well, and- I don't know how, uh, how detailed I should really get. The fans crave details. It's not really my story to tell. Okay, I'll I'll tell some of it. And I don't think that it affects people that I know now. Of course, to be fair, Heidi's tuning in. No, I don't think so. Well, maybe she wasn't even there. Beantown Podcast is international now. We're in Winnipeg, Vancouver, anywhere there's internet, right? Elsewhere, yeah, exactly. Okay, Okay, so I think it was a birthday party. So it was Darlene, my older sister. For those of you who do not know, who are international. Um, and my birthday, they're very close. They're like six days apart. Um, August 4th. My, that's what my birthday is, yeah. Um, and so she invited uh, quite a bit of her friends over, and um, I didn't invite... Uh, actually, I don't really think it was a birthday party for me now that I'm thinking about it. I think it just happened to be a party around when my birthday was. So it was for her. Uh, you, you weren't there. Um, right? Yeah, you were there. I don't know. You were there. This was like 30 years ago. Yeah. So uh, Quinn and his brothers and his uh, his sister were... Uh, I don't know if Abby was there. Abby yeah, we probably didn't there. invite her. I think, uh, I think she was invited. You probably just didn't relay that message. That, may, that makes sense. And um, so Darlene had a lot of her then friends um, over. Ooh, it sounds like there's another story there, but and keep going. I, so... I think my parents were very keen on like keeping the party outside. I say party; it was more like a bonfire. We had you know uh, food out there, and, but for some reason, a few of them slipped inside and then like snuck into our basement. And my dad, I think it was dad, <laughs> stumbled across them. He came downstairs and flipped the light on, and they were engaged in a, uh, to keep it light um, some form of yoga pose on our on our rug. <laughs> And it just got awkward. Uh, there was one person watching and two people engaging in yoga. Uh, and that's as far as I'll probably go. And uh, ever since then, the baby-making rug has been... Uh, I, we don't have it anymore. This is a different rug, by the way, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, Donated it to charity, I hope. And they were never invited. Or the Children's again. Hospital, just to complete the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's a story... I, you it's ever, not super exciting, but well, it didn't you know, happen. It scarred us all. Do you know the song, The Party's Over, 
in parentheses, hopelessly in love by Journey. Because I imagine that's what your dad was singing <laughs> after that. <laughs> the party's over. I've gone away. It's kind of a deeper Journey cut, but if anyone's listening out there, for all five of you, go go ahead and listen to Journey, Hopelessly in Love. It's actually a really underrated song. Matthew, you want to you wanna vamp for a little bit? <laughs> You're leaving me to... Yeah, well, 30 seconds, and ah, I'll be back. Okay, well, you're a quick uh, here. No, I'm not going to wash my hands. Oh, can you please just... Uh, I'll try... I'm okay with sitting here in silence for an extra few no seconds. No dead air. No dead air. Well, uh, I guess this is our seventh inning stretch. Not for me, of course, but for Quinn. Um, for those of you that are still listening, um, thanks for still listening. Um, Wow, I really ran out of things to talk about pretty quickly. If you guys have not checked out the uh, Beantown Unplugged segment that was shot, that was shot earlier, um, we're doing this subsequent to that. Um, but I, it probably hit the um, the internet a little bit quicker, so that should be up. And I think that's up on the Beantown Podcast Facebook page. Um, and I'll, I'll have to double check on uh, Quinn's posting strategy if that's also put out there on Twitter as well. But if you um, if you want to see some old classics get um, slightly butchered, um, then go ahead and check that out. The butchering wasn't so much on Quinn's part, but um, there were some higher um, falsetto backing vocals that were pretty rough, as well as just overall guitar playing. Um, but be sure to check that out. Also, you can uh, email the Beantown Podcast at Beantown. Um, at yahoo.com and um, I, I verify with Quinn why he's using Yahoo but apparently that's the up and coming uh, platform is that correct? I think it's came and it's wet but I think we need to hook you up with Gmail. You might get more mail. You might be getting mail it's just being sent to spam. I really don't know. Here's the thing. Bean Tom Podcast is an all-American. You wash your hands. Absolutely. Okay, good. It's an all-American podcast and we like to look to the past to guide our future. And I think Yahoo is both the past and the future. Oh, yeah, with Ymail. Is that what they call it? Yeah, so it's a spinoff of Gmail. But it doesn't quite ring quite as well. But you can always email us. Being Tom, I don't know if you already did this. I slightly did. I didn't spell it out for him. Yeah. Well, you got to, so in case people can't understand. <laughs> can't spell. Podcast, Yahoo.com. That's Beantown, B-E-A-T-W-A, Podcast, Yahoo.com. <laughs> well, how do you even spell, how, how do you spell town? Look, you just went over. Like, this is my Beantown, show. Beantown, <laughs> We're going to spell the way I want to spell. Maybe that's why you're not getting did you check your email? Yeah, should well, yeah. There's nothing in there. Okay, maybe that's why. I signed up for a lot maybe of like people aren't getting free cruises down. and stuff, and a trip to Las Vegas through that email though, oh, and I'm getting a lot of spam. Oh, maybe that's good. maybe that's worth than having a spammy email. You get all these great offers, cruise for two. That could be us. Well, I don't know, Matthew. How many throwaway emails do you have? Uh, none of them are throwaway. I, you know. Unfortunately, there's another Matthew Fiedler out there who's mm. took, who took it. And this is a big question that I have. I'm going to go on a mini rant here. I won't take up too much of your time. But, uh, so once we have children and they have children and they have children, what happens? Do they like phase out emails? Like, you know what I mean? 
I think uh, we're gonna run out of. Some there'll be a process if there isn't already one for identifying people who have passed and removing their. Yeah, because like what? That'll have it. Probably it. I'm sure there's at some level somewhere something like that exists. It hasn't had to have been a thing yet because it hasn't been a considering the situation. internet's only been around for thirty years it's in its infancy. But yeah, in the next fifty years, that will definitely become a major. I don't. No, I don't think necessarily a problem because I think it's an easy problem to identify. Yeah. Maybe not a super easy one to solve, but I think there are some smart people out there. They'll figure out how to do those things. So yeah, I like have background I have checks like and stuff. Maybe three personal emails, and they're all variations of my name, and then just like a, a number at the end. But what are you using? Oh, the Gmail. For? Yeah. So what are the other two? What are their purposes? Oh, they're all Gmail. They're just different emails. But like, why? Why do you have three different Gmail ones? Because one I never check, one I never check, and then one I use. <laughs> So what's the purpose of having the other Spammy, two? Spammy, like stuff. If you have to sign up for something, you just do okay, it. Okay, that's what we call a throwaway. Yeah, and that's why I said that. Okay, so I, I have asked two, you how many throwaways you have, and you two. said none. I've no, no, no. I said, I mean, <laughs> throwing them we're gonna away. have to listen back to the tape on this one. Yeah. Hotel breakfast. Okay. So, I get it. You get to the fancier chains. It's not a holiday inn anymore. You're not going to have the free breakfast. Great. Whatever. I get it. But you go down in these, and when I say fancy hotels, I'm not talking like the Palmer House in Chicago. I'm talking Sheraton Sioux Falls. Is it probably one of the nicest options in town? Yes. But there's nothing about it that's like free Manny Petty's hot tub in the room escorts waiting in the bathroom for you, all that stuff that, you know, you get at the fancier places. You go down to these breakfasts, these free buffet, continental whatevers, and you know what they're charging you? Even out here in Sioux Falls, and I didn't do it, even though I wouldn't be paying for it, but just out of pure, uh, just not ethical, but I'm just taking a personal stance against it because I'm not willing to do this. $16 for the breakfast in the Sheraton Sioux Falls. I tell you what, you come to South Dakota with $16, you can practically buy a 2,000-acre swine farm for $16, and they're trying to charge you $16 for two slices of bacon over here at the Hotel Continental All-You-Can-Eat Buffet. I'm taking a stand, and if I run for political office, this is going to be one of my big selling points. If you're look, if you're in Manhattan and you got to pay sixteen dollars, that's good because sixteen dollars is like how much a cup of coffee costs at the Seven Eleven. But if you're out in South Dakota and they're charging you sixteen dollars, I got news for you, sister. I could walk down the street to the Denny's sixteen dollars. I walk out of there, all of a sudden, I own that franchise with $16. So that's just, that's a a major pet peeve of mine. It shouldn't be $16 to get a hotel breakfast. And the quality, based on my past experiences sneaking in to hotel breakfasts, is 
fine. But $16, are you kidding? $16? And then, yo, don't get me started on tipping. Oh, boy. Although here is one pet peeve of mine. When you get a free airport shuttle and you don't tip. So now we kind of swung the other way. So I get, uh, I get into Sioux Falls at about 11.15 last night. There's no Uber in South Dakota, believe it or not. <coughs> Who would have thought? And thankfully, there's a free airport shuttle. So I call. It's like 10 minutes. They come pick me up. Enterprise, we'll pick you up. And so we get back to the hotel, and I tip the guy, and he's like, you know, tipping isn't required. Well, no shit, tipping's never going to be required. Uh, but as I drop an expletive, I haven't even given our listener discretion his advice tag. Let me get to that uh, after this. But I'm like, I look, man, it's 11 o'clock at night. I feel bad. Like you drove to come get me. Here's literally it's a $2 tip for a two-mile drive. I think that's fine. Uh, so... <coughs> If you have cash on hand, if you're getting a free ride somewhere, tip the man. Haley been texting me all week. She's like, Quinn, when can I be on the podcast? <laughs> when can I do it? <laughs> like, patience. I'll be there on Saturday. I can't tell you enough how excited Haley is to be doing the <laughs> podcast today. Yeah, it's my dream come true, really. <laughs> been waiting all week. Tell us. Tell us about this artist we're going to see tonight. Milo Green. Go see Green. Milo Green, yeah. So what's their deal? They're like a contemporary rock, like indie rock band. Um, I've seen them a couple times before. They were at Fest. Did you go to Fest? I never went to a Fest in my time as a DePaul student. Well, that is a mistake. But yeah, they were there probably 2015. Um, so yeah, they're good. I don't know. So, I haven't seen them in a while, so we'll see how they... I think their like, number of band members changed or something. Like Now there's fewer people than there were before, so okay. maybe it'll be a little bit different. All right. Lincoln Hall, you ever go to a DMAC concert? Oh, yeah. Hall? Big DMAC concert attendee <laughs> over here. I love DMAC. My roommate Sam and I used to go to DMAC concerts because we had a mutual friend, Sam's roommate, and our freshman year, Corcoran Hall, was in DMAC. Mm-hmm. Total bro. He went to Stevenson, classic DePaul kid. Yep. And um, we used to go and get overly enthusiastic at the concert, so we'd take a bunch of shots beforehand. <laughs> and so it's not heckling. You're not like, boo, you're terrible. It's like, oh, yeah, on the solo start, you clap like crazy and a lot of whistling and cheering. Um, those were those were fun days. But we never went to Lincoln Hall. It was always in, like, SAC. Mm-hmm, the pit, or, yeah. The pit, yeah, something like that. Uh, good times. Well, Haley, you have a very, um, I feel like, niche music taste. A lot of bands that I don't know, but I'm sure they're great. So give us just a couple couple of names. Who are, who are some of your favorite bands? Kind of, I don't know if indie is the best way to put it or alternative is better, but some bands that, some of them well-known, some of them lesser known, but who are, who are some of your faves? Yeah, it's it's tough to really categorize. I don't know what the specific genre would be, but most of the time it's like indie rock or like indie folk or, yeah, I guess that covers it. Um, Joseph is one of my favorites. They're three sisters in a band. They're from Oregon as well, and they're really great. Their like, harmonies are really good together. It's both like chill and fun. Um Let's see who else. Local Natives is another one that's probably a little bit lesser known, but 
they also played Fest, actually. Um, different year, though. And they're like an indie rock band, too. Um, family and Friends. They're from Georgia. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. I knew you were waiting for that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> actually, it just popped into my head about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> you recently took a trip uh-huh. to Georgia, didn't yep. you? <laughs> and you let one of your roommates handle the travel planning. What was that like? Well, you know, I was really overconfident in it <laughs> because she sent me a Google, like a Google Excel sheet, I guess, um, with a full itinerary. And I was like, wow, she's really thought this one through, really feeling good about it. So the plan was the concert was in Athens, Georgia, home of UGA. And we're, the plan was to fly into Atlanta, Georgia, which is roughly two hours away drive from Athens, Georgia. So the plan was to take the flight to Atlanta and then take a bus from Atlanta to Athens and then like kind of just Uber around from there because she didn't want to rent a car. Also doesn't have a license, so it would have been me driving either way. So we fly into Atlanta, we get there, quick trip. The bus is going to be like three hours wait until the next bus is there. And it was going to be like $40 a person. So the only alternative at this point is to Uber from Atlanta to Athens. And it wasn't actually bad. It was like $80, which was roughly the same cost as the bus, and it was going to leave right away. So we really couldn't turn it down. But we did sit in the Uber for two hours, and the driver did not say a word to us. So, yeah, that's how those plans Did you, did you feel any remorse? For your driver, taking them all the way out to Athens? Um, well, when we got in, we were like, we're going to go a far distance. Like, we're sorry. And he was like, oh, no, I like this drive. Which, so we were like, okay, cool. But then, like, and at first he was like, what do you guys want to listen to? We're like, cool, we're on a road trip now. We're, like, ready for it. Um, but, yeah, like, halfway through, I think he realized it was a mistake because he started driving, like, a little bit more aggressive to get over with it. And we were kind of wishing that he had been a little bit more exciting about it. <laughs> I mean, that's a big ask. Did you give him a nice tip at least? We did give him a tip, yeah. Okay. A tip? <laughs> Do you typically not tip your Uber drivers? No, not really. Unless they're like really great or something bad happens. I always tip my Uber drivers. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I'm sure they love you. What's your rating? Oh, I don't know. Let's check. Should Probably. we do a comparison? Oh, I'm going to kick your butt. People like me. I get in. I check in on them. I say... <laughs> I'm good windows up, windows down, <laughs> slow jams, hot jams, whatever you need. You know, I'm, I'm a, a man 4. of 4.89. 4. 4.93. Wow. I'm a man of the people. I don't think you realize. But I feel like I take Ubers more and I have probably made more mistakes with my Uber rides. Then so that's your fault. I know, You're but I'm just saying mistakes. that said, 4.89, I'm very thrilled with that. That's great. Yeah, I don't know. All by myself, just like the Celine Dion song. What's that? You're going to sing Celine Dion to close out the podcast? Don't mind if I do. I'm glad you asked. Thanks for listening. We'll come to you live next week. When I was young, I never needed anyone. Maybe I could do a Celine Dion impression. Breaking love was just for fun. This is going to be like... Those days are done. If Eddie Vedder and Celine Dion had a baby, living alone, 
I think of all the friends I've known. Apologies. When I dial the telephone, nobody's home. You know who else is Canadian? Celine Dion. It's been a very Canadian podcast. I also have been listening to a lot of Arcade Fire. But here we go. <laughs> Pipes are bad today. Got to use falsetto. One more. Hard to be sure. Sometimes I feel so insecure. Love so distant and obscure remains the cure. Is there a key change in this? Uh, oh, we got a we got a instrumental solo. That's not what you expect. Listen, check this out. Oh man, this is some great stuff. Hmm. You know, this melody is from uh, Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number no. Two in. C minor, is that the key it's in? Go check it out. Second movement is absolutely beautiful. It's a really good piano concerto. Uh, C minor, I think. It's either C or F, but I think it's C minor. And it's got three movements. The first one is very dark, romantic, moody. The second one is this melody, but it's really pretty, really good piano and orchestra duet. The third one is an absolute banger, one of the most romantic pieces of music of all time. Rachmaninoff, piano concerto number two. Listen to it when you're feeling sexy. Maybe you have sex to that song. But for now, you can have sex to this one. Oh, we're back in. I never needed anyone. Don't have sex to the Bean Town podcast. That'd be weird. Making love is just for fun. What if I had sex to the Bean Town podcast? That'd be weird. Those days are done. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, key change? Hello. Not yet, but I think it's coming. Don't want to be anymore. Just be glad I'm not singing Power of Love. Don't want to be
I, I talked about this in a fantasy football note earlier this week, which I know everyone read because, you know, obviously. Aquafina. Now, here's here's where we're getting into the, the murky waters here. I This popped up on, like, my YouTube or something, and I realized I didn't know much about her. So I was like, okay, clearly super popular. Let's investigate a little bit more. So I went in. I watched a bunch of her music videos, listened to a bunch of her music, like dedicated time, which for me tends to be limited to actually like listening to her stuff, viewing her stuff, etc. Watch some uh, some some of Crazy Rich Asians to check out the acting aspect. And I rewatched a lot of the SNL stuff because she co-hosted or not co-hosted. She hosted the second episode of SNL 44 this year, which is mind-boggling to me, but it is what it is. I I just don't get it. I am glad that she is serving as a role model and empowering figure for uh, other young Asian women and a- young Asian American people in general and empowerment, all that stuff, great. There's nothing negative there. I'm happy. But couldn't they have couldn't, couldn't we as a society have chosen somebody, uh, I don't know, better, more talented, more likable? I mean, what what happened to Psy, the guy who did Gong Style, right? That guy was cool. He he wore sunglasses. He had cool clothes. And what what happened? Why can't we do him or Asian Jim, right? The guy he's in Fresh Off the Boat now. If that show's still on, I I never saw it. I just heard about it, but. I'm just, you know, big fan of the empowerment, big fan of the representation. Just let's let's get somebody better in there. You know, that's all I'm saying. So Aquafina, you're kind of spooking me out. And the name, I just, right, I thought, like, Flo Rida was stupid. Now we're doing Aquafina. I, bottled water is, is N. Essel going to come out next? I don't, uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> So my first, my the very first thing that went into my head, which I think just shows where my mind is operating 75% of the time, is that you can't, and I, I, this isn't like me being super, this is me being super sad. This is just me like basically curb your enthusiasm. You can't date somebody for three months and break up with them on the phone. Okay, breakup etiquette. There have been documented Seinfeld episodes on this, but allow me to add to the anthology. You can't go through with the phone breakup. you got to at least give somebody a lunch date or the afternoon in the park, the walking date at least. I could handle the walking date. But you can't go three months where everything is. And this this was, a, it, it, from my perspective, a very... A uh, good, very solid relationship, and that had been acknowledged by uh, both parties. 
communication was great. Uh, physical stuff was great. Just really enjoyed each other's company. And then just boom, face hits the wall. And uh, you can't, I don't know. Not that I, I don't think I'd feel any better about the situation if I had been broken up with in person, but just, you know, PSA for anybody out there. So let's let's talk about this a little bit. How long before you can't do the phone breakup anymore? I think everyone who's listening here can agree that you can't do the you can't do three months and then have the phone call breakup unless it's always been long distance and like I'm in Beantown and she's in Dubai or something, then I get the phone call breakup because those plane tickets, especially around the holidays, are gonna run you you know, a thousand, twelve hundred bucks. But, but when you live two miles away from each other, the uh, phone call for the breakup just seems a little. I don't even know what the right word is because I'm not like butt hurt over the fact that I got dumped on the phone. It's just like that's not a thing. Like you can't do that. So I think I don't know. Because what's the hierarchy here? Are we thinking ghosting, then text message, then phone message, then in person? I think that's a pretty fair uh, hierarchy. So I think for me, ghosting is never on my radar if you're in a committed relationship. So look, we've all had Tinder dates where you might go out once and you just weren't feeling it so either just nothing happens after that or you send a message saying i had a really good time and that's it like and i don't think anyone feels upset about that <clears throat> now if you get ghosted when you're in like an actual relationship so that's not cool and i don't think that should be ever on the table so let's move it to the text message i think if you've gone on you know anywhere from like 1 to 3 dates I think a text message is okay because I think three dates for me at least is plenty long enough to get a feel for somebody to see if like this is actually something or if you need to uh, pursue greener pastures. The phone call, I think it, I don't know for me and maybe I'm old fashioned, but the, the statute of limitations on the phone call doesn't extend much further. I think one to like maybe five dates is okay because look if you've gone on a sixth date with somebody we're already talking about a period of probably three weeks on average that's almost a month of you guys going out that's pretty significant that's a lot of FaceTime. there are gonna there's gonna have been some uh, emotional bonds that have been forged so i don't think i i think five dates and this is pretty arbitrary because i'm just doing this off the top of my head is I think phone call, but after five dates or let's say one month of you guys going out, like, come on, the phone call is not on the table anymore. And it's not like the, the, this is probably the thing that bugged me the most. There wasn't anything leading up to this, you know, I did my research afterwards because I haven't, I haven't been broken up with in a very long time. So I just, these aren't emotions that I've experienced in a while so I researched you know what are the telltale signs that your partner is going to break up with you and none of them were were matching uh yeah I just don't have any sort of that's that's the toughest thing for me is there's just nothing that was gonna say hey warning sign here so 
I apologize to uh, everyone listening. I was really excited for this episode because we were going to be, you know, in a in a new state from which we had never podcasted before, and we we're going to potentially get the lovely lady on the podcast for the first time, which would have been a fun dynamic because we always have fun. <laughs> it's funny to say now. Always had fun when we were together, and I think that would have really come through on the podcast. But alas, we are sitting alone. First, though, we are going to be doing uh, an ad from one of our new sponsors. So check this out. Here we go. Are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth, all because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time? Well, Oregon listeners, there's good news. Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon, is Central Oregon's hottest new home inspection provider, with inspection services including things like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. Home Pride Oregon is both contractor certified and home inspection certified, so you know you're getting the good stuff. If you're tired of big real estate stranglehold on the home inspection market and you want a safe, certified home inspector you can trust, call Steve at 541-207-1101 or visit homeprideoregon.com that's 541-207-1101 or visit homeprideoregon.com home pride oregon inspection perfection Welcome to the Beantown Podcast, Thanksgiving edition. How's everyone doing? This is Quinn David Furness. This is my podcast, also known as the People's Podcast, one of Baltimore City's top 500 podcasts. We are pretty lucky this morning to be joined by uh, one of my much older aunts, Auntie Anna. What's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing well. We just had a great Thanksgiving, right, with 17 people around the table? I'd say it was good. Yeah, it no, was a good no, it was great, Quinn. It was great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Auntie Anna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's always a pleasure when we can get family on. You know, before people get too old, we want them to be able to experience everything that Beantown Podcast has to offer. So, Auntie, I think you mentioned you were going to get us started with a song. No, I, I, I did not mention that, but. I was singing this morning because I have a two-year-old grandson, so we were singing um, Cucumera Sits on the Old Gum Tree. <laughs> Do you know that one? That's a classic song. Would you I sing with me, I think that was Quinn? Bob Dylan. Yeah. yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Give us a pitch. Mm, okay. Cucumera Sits on the Old Gum Tree. Mary, Mary, King of the Bushes. <laughs> You're not singing. <laughs> laugh, Cucumera, laugh. Cucumera gay, your life must be. Quinn, you just mumbled to it. about gay cucumberas? You go to Baltimore, that means something completely different. <laughs> I will leave that to your friends in Baltimore. It oh, was an man. innocent childhood song. 
Classic auntie. Classic auntie. Yeah. Mm, auntie Anna, you uh, have mentioned before that you're going to be spending some time in the country of, how are we going to pronounce it, Guyana? Guyana. Guyana, Guyana mm-hmm. in the next uh, couple of months here. So mm-hmm. why, don't, why don't you give us a quick little country profile? Most people don't know that Guyana exists in the world. So okay. so what's it what's it like what's down it there like? in, in South Africa where Guyana is? South America. It's similar. <laughs> similar South America. Yes, I was recently there. It was my first visit to South America and it Guyana is the only English speaking country on the continent. And it's one of three Guyanas, right? We have what was form- formerly British Guyana, which is the Guyana I visited, and then Directly east of Guyana is Suriname, which is considered Dutch Guyana, right? And the language there is Dutch, right? And then further east is French Guyana, which is actually part of France and where French is spoken. So it's, it's, uh, linguistically, it's a really interesting area, and there's a fabulous Guyanese Creole, which I did not understand a word of. Um, the people were warm, as was the temperature. It's a developing nation that has recently discovered oil, and they're preparing for an oil boom. Um, and there is one large federal university that's invited my husband to come and help them start a chemical engineering program. Um, so we spent a couple of days in the capital, Georgetown, which is a, a lovely little colonial town. Uh, but like most developing nations, it it's, has some growing pains. Um, Named after King George? I, that's what I was told. Mm. That is Do you what know I was which told. one? No, on my question, I did post that question to my guide, and I asked if it was the same King George that, that the colonies, the American colonies, fought against, and they kind of demurred. So I have yet to do my research to mm. affirm my supposition. Sounds like corporate greed or something like that. Possibly. Colonial greed. Colonial, colonial greed, yeah. definitely. But they have a really... Uh, a, still intact Amerindian population and fairly pristine rainforest. So it's an ecotourism um, haven destination. So the next time I I return to the country, I'm looking forward to exploring the non-urban, the rural side of the country. And is there anything interesting or unique about the cuisine in Guyana that you noticed when you were there? Yeah, well, it was a really short stay, but I'm told they're famous for their pepper pot, which is, you know, stewed meat. There's a... um, ethnically, it's a very interesting country because there's still this large Amerindian population, descendants of slaves brought from Africa, a huge Indian population. So the food reminded me a little bit of South Africa, so there was this Indian influence. Lots of curries. Um, not really many, many colonial folks left, although now there'll be an influx with the interest in oil. And with you coming, that's going to basically yeah. double the population. Pretty much, so. yeah. You mentioned South Africa, where Guyana is located. No, uh, how America. is your How is your South African accent? My South, I don't think I have one. Ooh, I think that's something worth practicing. Because when yeah. you're in Guyana, you'll want to be able to uh, converse, have conversations with people who live there. But so. Quinn... You come from a geographically literate family. Why do you keep mistaking South America for South Africa? Well, they're they're pretty close. Uh, if you look not on really. a map, yeah. they're only on a map. Usually, you know, maybe like half a foot apart. Is that it? So really, not not too bad. Um, if that works for you. This is our Thanksgiving episode, and uh, Auntie, you were growing up in kind of Depression era. I'm wondering no. if you could talk a little <laughs> bit more about 
what Thanksgivings were like for you growing up, you know, mm-hmm. Hoover administration, Coolidge administration, oh sort Lord. of back that, then. That was my mother and my father. No, growing up in the 60s in northern Wisconsin, which was not Hoover Coolidge, um, it was more Nixon <laughs> and Watergate. Um, so I grew up in a hunting family in the woods of northern Wisconsin. So Thanksgiving meant you hoped the hunters returned in time to enjoy the Thanksgiving feast. And we often had to keep that turkey warm until they finally showed up, often with a towing a buck or a, a doe, right? And, and you'd have to quickly eat because then you'd have to dress the deer, mm-hmm. right? That, that's, that really dominated our Thanksgivings, this whole hunting ethos. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> no, it's fine. We yeah. like the ambient noise. Yeah, we have. So we're having lots of fun because my two-year-old grandson is here. Yeah. Mm, very good. Yeah. And he's got a couple different names. So I was under the impression that tsunami <laughs> is what we were calling him. But when I showed up here, a new name emerged. Something like chunky salsa it means caterpillar <laughs> in South African, I think. Um, and I've heard Jabril get tossed around. Yep. I've heard. Nugget mm-hmm. get tossed around. There are some swear words I wasn't able to <laughs> use on the podcast I've heard tossed around later at night in an attempt to get him to sleep. To sleep. So um, lots well, of different names. Officially, his Yoruba name is Shanumi, which Quinn has transliterated into Tsunami, which we think is quite adorable. Um, his Ndebele nickname, because mom's from Zimbabwe, is Chongololo, which means millipede. Um, but he, is, he does have another name, Jabril. And, yeah, he's just adorable. He's over there playing the xylophone. Isn't that sweet, Quinn? If he ever plays baseball, they're going to have to get him a couple different jerseys to put his full name on. I think so. That'd be good. Yeah. Some soccer players just have one name, like Ronaldo or Ronaldinho. But if Chungo ever plays soccer, he's going to be the opposite. He's going to have, like, ten different names. I agree. Well, he Mm. merits them all. He's adorable. Yeah, very good. And uh, kind of one last thing, while we have a multi-time fantasy football champion live on air, what are some of your tips and tricks for coaches as we move into the fantasy playoff season, provided that you're in the playoffs? So if you happen to be Abby Furness and you're listening to this right now, that's kind of all the information we've got for you. The rest will be for more elite-level coaches. So what what are you really focusing your attention on? as we uh, move towards the playoffs this year? Yeah, uh, always go with your gut. That's, uh, that's my big one. Um, and he doesn't mean put Jerome Bettis in your lineup. He's mean trusting your kind of your instinctual gut. That's right. So if you, um, if you see a guy whose name you recognize, always go with that one, even if some other guy has much better stats. That's one of my personal rules. Um, something I learned along the way is always check before you trade for someone to make sure that they're not on IR because that can come back to bite you. <laughs> um, never underestimate a good smile. So when you look at the, the guy's pictures, you're trying to choose if you want to pick up someone or drop someone. You can often tell just by looking at them you know, if they're going to be the right fit for your team. Um, Have you seen Tyreek Hill's picture this year? No, I haven't. Oh, I'll pull it up. I think there's a reason why he's leading all wide receivers. Well, yeah. I have no one to blame but myself then. (laughs) Uh, Because these are things that a lot of coaches don't really look into. 
Oh boy. <laughs> well, I don't know if you would have made the cut for my team. If anyone has the opportunity, just Google Tyree Kills 2018 team photo. It's, he's a not, gem. Not the most love that gem. guy. He's like five feet nine, but runs a pretty quick 440. Jack, do you ever run a 440 at any time in your life? I know you used to run track. Yeah, no, is that 440 yards? No, that's a, it's a 40, uh, 40 yards or 40 meters, excuse me. But 440 is like a really good time to get on the 40 meters. A four second 40 meter? Yeah. Or four seconds and 4.4 seconds. Yeah, it's one of those two. <laughs> we'll do some research All on right. this after. No, I used to, I ran the, what did I, I guess I ran the 400. I wasn't very good at track, so I, I doubt I ever did that. Well, you only had one year of experience. That's true. You were the rookie. Yeah. And coming off an ACL injury, they should have made a 30 for 30 about you. That's right. Or a 40 by 40, apparently. Big Bratwurst Eating Contest, the fourth annual Baltimore Christmas Market German Village Bratwurst Eating Contest. We participated in it last year, my first year here in Beantown. And uh, so last year, there were probably, I think, six of us in uh, standing at the table. And this is a pretty big event in terms of just like Christmas Market down in Baltimore. You know, they have the huge uh, tent with a ton of vendors in it. It's just a big space, but then the huge open uh, area with seating where people are eating their dinner, drinking their beer, and watching the Bratwurst Scene Contest. So um, there were about five or six of us last year, and it was a lot of fun. It was pretty low-key. I got second place. I ate about three and three-quarters, and I lost to Big Mike, who was not actually that big. But Mike probably ate just over four, um, so, and that was in 10 minutes. And this is brats and buns. So these things are probably about, uh, I don't know, 9 or 10 inches long. And the buns are really tough to eat. So I was proud of myself. But I was also thinking, you know, I'm coming in hard this year. Year two, I'm coming for that title. I'm trying to snag it away from Big Mike. Of course, he shows up this year. He's got his trophy. Um, but the event overall this year was was pretty challenging. It was pretty frustrating. The first problem was that the event was scheduled to take place at 6. Get there at 5.45, check in, everything's good to go. We're waiting at 6.10, 6.15, you're thinking, okay, what's going on? All these people are here. We're ready to feast. 6.30, you get pulled over by the event organizers, say, hey, we don't have enough bratwurst cooked right now. Come back in half an hour. So I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. Uh pretty frustrated because I had brought a bunch of friends, a bunch of coworkers from work um, to, you know, experience the event, cheer me on, et cetera, all that good stuff. But I felt, you know, I feel bad. It's their Friday night. This isn't what, isn't what you want to do all Friday night. This isn't what I want to do all Friday night. But I digress. So come back, seven, about, about 7.10, 7.15, we finally uh, get some action but here's the problem. It wasn't the bratwurst action you were looking for. This scrawny white guy from Dundalk, Scott, his name is, gets up on stage. He's like 
one of the event organizers, the host, I don't know exactly what his specific role or title or salary was, but he gets up on stage. I'm thinking, okay, Scott's going to bring us up. We're going to start the Bratwurst Scene Contest. This is great. Here we go. Could not be more mistaken. Scott is like myself a wannabe comedian. Scott <laughs> did his stand-up act for about 15 minutes. And it, you know, you got to have some bad shows, some rough shows at the start of your career if you're going to be great. But, Scott, I tell you what, if you're listening to this, bud, wasn't great. You need some new material, not just new material, but better material. Here was the biggest problem. You got to know your audience, you got to know your context when you're doing a stand-up act. You don't go to Philly and make fun of Rocky or the Liberty Bell or cheesesteaks. It's just you're going to get thrown out of town. Likewise, you don't open for a bratwurst-eating competition by doing a five-minute stand-up bit about urination and how men pee and how women pee. I'm not saying that you can't do a fun bit about urination. Gender roles, there's always good stuff in that just as a large-scale concept. But when you're opening for an eating competition in which people will be feeling queasy, in which vomit may be induced, boy... I tell you what, I don't know if it affected the other competitors the way it affected me, but talking about urination habits immediately preceding a competition in which I'm trying to get down as many sausages and buns as possible, it it was not good. And just the whole thing, Scott, wasn't great. I appreciate you for going up there and doing your breast, but woof, that was tough. That was tough. So finally, around like 7.30 or so, we get pulled up to the stage, and there were a lot of people. There were like nine. It was really crowded. We were all guys, too, and not like, you know, guys of all different sizes. Like probably all around six feet tall and taller. There were some really tall guys there. And, you know, there were, you know, maybe one or two guys who were skinnier. Most of us probably 200-plus pounds easy. Um, The competition was a lot more fierce this year, just like Allie Raisman's new book. Check it out. Uh, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy your books, you can read Allie Raisman's Fierce. But there were nine of us. The competition rules changed a little bit. So last year we couldn't dunk uh, because they just had water bottles. So we were allowed to drink, but we weren't allowed to dunk because it physically wasn't possible. This year they gave us cups so we could dunk, which I was a little perturbed by because not because I have anything against dunking, just because they didn't announce that rule change going into this year. Then you show up and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we can dunk. But nine of us. And the rules changed. Last year, it was just how many can you eat in 10 minutes. This year, it was first one to seven wins or whoever's eaten the most after 15 minutes. And when they announced that, I knew I was toast. The only chance 
that I potentially had was winning a sprint, you know, the 10-minute track, the 10-minute circuit. Even then, I wasn't going to have a chance. But I knew that if it was just how many can you get down, it wasn't going to go well. One, I've been dieting the last five weeks or so, and my stomach has shrunk considerably. My appetite, particularly around dinner time, much lower than what it usually is. But number two, the whole Scott urine bit just really threw me for a loop. So even before it started, I knew it wasn't going to happen. But we get going, and there are some big guys. There's Gomez, who worked for T-Mobile. Uh, I was two guys. Uh, I was two positions down from him, so I could see him pretty well. After after I hit about two, I knew um, that it wasn't. I wasn't going anywhere. That I was just having fun at this point, and I felt bad because you want to put on a good show, but I also really didn't want to puke. It's just. If I was just, like, doing this at home and puking, it would be like, oh, okay, I can, whatever. But you're in front of a crowd of probably, you know, 200 people. Not exactly what I wanted to do. So I'm looking over at Gomez as, you know, we get to, like, the seven, eight-minute mark, and he's on a Bratwurst, like, number four or five. And I'm thinking, you know, because I was only at, like, three at this point. I'm, like, cheering for Gomez now. The two guys, the guys on either side of me also were, like, out of it. Um, so now, you know, Gomez is just killing these and we're thinking oh this guy's this guy's got it like here's our new champion we couldn't so the defending champion mike was all the way on the other end we couldn't see how he was doing but i knew you know last year he had just over four and ten minutes so i'm thinking you know another five minutes he's not gonna be able to eat two in those five minutes so he's probably maxing out at about five that's just how our stomachs work but And I'm already seeing Gomez working on number five, so I'm thinking, okay, Gomez, here's our guy. And the competition is getting, um, you know, towards the end. We're at about the 13, 14-minute mark, so about one minute left, one and a half minutes left. And all of a sudden, it's over. And now it's that seven have been eaten. I'm looking over at Gomez, and he's not on his seventh yet. And so I was pretty shocked. And there's another guy, like two slots down from Gomez, who had eaten seven, and this guy just like he was probably about six three six four um probably weighed a solid amount, but he wasn't fat, he's just muscular. I don't remember what his name was. We can check the tape, but he made us all look foolish. I don't know exactly how many Mike ate. I ate about three and a half um i i would I could have pushed myself to four and maybe thrown up, maybe not. But, you know, knowing that Gomez was already on, you know, 5-6, I was like, there's no, you know, this is silly. Um, so, all in all, I don't have, you know, overall placements. I finished with about three and a half. I know I beat the two guys on either side of me because they kind of gave up um, before I did. But I think out of the nine, probably finished about fourth or fifth. Um, I know I, the highest I possibly went was third because I knew the guy who won obviously won and then Gomez was way ahead of me I couldn't see anything else going on judging by how they were acting though they probably had more than I did so I think fourth or fifth is probably pretty accurate so not the second place finish we got last year definitely a little bit disappointed but I will say that I didn't expect to do as well this year because of the diet and then Scott's stand-up bit really uh, took it to a whole new level but um, I'm proud of myself, and I want to thank my friends and my coworkers for coming out to support. If you want to see the video 
So this is something that I was really happy to have because last year all we had was an Instagram live story uh, in that you know 24 hours. It wasn't even on my Instagram page because I didn't have an Instagram page. But I was able to get it captured on my phone this year. Uh, I haven't gone back and watched the full tape, but it is on my Facebook page, but it's also on the YouTube page. So if you're you know listening to Beantown Podcast on YouTube right now, you can physically just click into my page. You can find it. If you're not, just you know find me, Quinn uh, Furness, on YouTube, and the, 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 the footage is there. It's the full contest, about 15 minutes long. So uh, you can see that I got a chance to promote the podcast a little bit in the middle of the podcast or in the middle of the competition after I knew that I was going to have no chance of winning. Uh, Scott gave me a little platform to support the podcast. So always good to, to get that out there. But that was the uh, Bratwurst Eating Contest. here uh i like the word cook because while it's not technically a palindrome it sounds like it should be one uh megan what are some of your favorite palindromes this holiday season oh just thinking long and hard about this one just like waking up on christmas morning Uh. (laughs) except not in megan's case as we learned earlier you know, I don't know that I know any palindromes, especially none that are specific to the Christmas season. Um, kind of put me on the spot here. Not really a literary type. Palindromes aren't literary. What it's, are they? It's English. English, yeah. Not yeah. not really my strong suit. What about suit? a man, a canal, a plan, Panama? Are those palindromes? No, the whole thing together is. That's intense. What about do geese see God? So it doesn't have to be a real, uh, like a real thing. You can just put together whatever you want and call what it do a you palindrome. Mean? Do geese see God? That's a question. What was the first one? A man, a plan, a canal, Panama. I'm not. I'm not really it's following. It's a list. You don't. Okay, oh. so. For those of us who don't know, the Panama Canal completed in 1908 under the supervision of our president, Theodore Roosevelt, connecting the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific Ocean. Huge uh, breakthrough in just global trade, I would say. Um, A man, a plan, a canal, Panama. While we were given that history lesson, did you, did you come up with any good palindromes? No. Oh, boy. Are you sure? Um, how about uh, Hannah? You know, I dated a couple Hannahs uh, in my life, but they spelled their names differently. But the most common way, H-A-N-N-A-H, that's a good palindrome. Whew. All right. I like it. I feel like we're doing the uh, 
the script spelling bee right now. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. I'm actually doing some Google searching to find some other cool palindromes. Uh, while I'm doing that, Megan, you want to vamp a little bit, maybe tell us, uh, practice some of your stand-up or something. Actually, I did want to bring up, uh, I know you were talking about Jesus and his disciples earlier, and um, saw this really great tweet that I feel like needs a little bit of recognition on that subject. All right. So um, it's it's uh, Jesus uh, drunk at the Last Supper, waving a baguette wildly, saying, you want a piece of me? Now, for those of us who don't know, Jesus has often been described as his body being bread and his blood being wine, which I always thought kind of harkened back to the whole silence of the lambs cannibalistic thing. But, you know, for some of those hardcore Christians out there, your Joel Osteens and your Megan Lundgrens of the world, it works for them. So I don't know. I wouldn't want to eat my Savior um, if I were you, but, you know, that's what they say. I found a really good... Uh, uh, a really good palindrome. Doc, note I dissent. A fast never prevents a fatness. I diet on cod. I'm just really unimpressed with the whole palindrome thing in general. I'm sorry. I'm just n I'm not getting on board. We got one last question for you, Megan. Do you believe in God? No. Worst holiday correspondent ever. Doesn't even know the reason for the season. For like two hours since I thought of the question. Brothers, the 2009 film starring Tobey Maguire, Natalie Portman, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Are you surprised Tobey didn't get an Oscar nomination for this? I'm surprised Tobey didn't get an Oscar nomination for Spider-Man 1. Now, okay, we're going to go down a rabbit hole here because you're talking to the biggest Sam Raimi fan you've ever met. Spider-Man 1, 2, or 3, which one you like? Oh, definitely 1. Better than 2. Yeah, I know that the, I've been called out on this before for not really appreciating the genius of Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. Uh, I think maybe upon subsequent watching, I might end up appreciating it more, but I don't know. There's just something magical about Norman Osborn. Yeah, Willem Dafoe came close to getting his Oscar. I'm, I'm a big Willem year. Dafoe fan. so Yeah, there's a lot of good quotes. I would say some of the best memes on Raimi memes on the subreddit come from Willem Dafoe quotes. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so you, you're not feeling any love for Topher Grace in, uh, in Spider-Man 3? In 3? No, yeah. I thought 3 was the worst of the batch. Now, how are, we gonna, how are you feeling? Topher Grace versus Tom Hardy as Venom. Where, are we, where do you stand on that? Is Tom Hardy Venom in one of the newer ones? They made a Venom standalone movie this year. Oh, man. See, I didn't even know that. Uh, based on what I know about those two actors, I would definitely be in the Tom Hardy as Venom Wait camp. till you see the movie. You might change your mind. <laughs> oh, boy. Didn't think Topher Grace could pull it off. Could but so good. Now he looks like he should have won an Oscar for that performance. Um, going back to this film, brothers, you know, a lot of our listeners might not have seen the movie, so just briefly describe to us the plot of the 2009 film Brothers. Uh, well, you know, you've got, uh, you've got these brothers, and, uh, and then, well, of course, there's Natalie Portman. And uh, then, you know, there's Philadelphia, often called the city of brotherly love. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a good liquor store called Brothers. Um, there's also a, a, a crossroads in Oregon. Uh, I think it, like, was a city at one point or a town, I should say, but it's called Brothers. Um, so, yeah, Brothers. Yeah, it's a, it's a very deep, emotionally tolling film, but one of the better films about the Iraq War. So everyone get the chance to check it out. I was a little disappointed Toby didn't uh, get an Oscar nomination. I think he got a Golden Globe uh, nomination, but, you know, those Golden Globes, it's, is that, you know, if you get a Golden Globe nomination, does that really carry any weight? Because they got, like, 25 different categories. I swear there's, like best third build actor in a animated documentary series or something it's pretty pretty rough anybody can get nominated for a golden globe except for the beantown podcast which i want to maybe do a little call out to uh the grammy awards the nominations came out uh last week or the week before i don't know the specific parameters for, you know, spoken word albums. But I'll say this. I'm tired of, you know, Jimmy Carter and Obama and Bill Clinton and all those guys getting Grammy nominations because literally all they have to do is show up. They're not writing the book. They're just famous because they happen to become president and now they're getting Grammy nominations for it. So, yeah, we're a little uh, salty. I would say the Beantown podcast just in general has been uh, kind of stifled in year one. I know we were talking to uh, Ryan Ligon and Kristen English, host of the Card Convos podcast, a couple months back when uh, the invites went out to PodCon, which is in Seattle next month, and absolutely no mention of the Card Convos podcast or the Beantown podcast. So I actually wrote them a letter um, using kind of their online feedback form. They never even emailed back, so I, I don't know. It's all politics when it comes time to podcasting, but Here's the thing, though. Aren't you planning on doing a, a like, Beantown year in review, best of year one, uh, like, in January here? Yeah, coming up in a couple weeks. Well, that seems like that's coming out, you know, at prime time for... Uh, you know some of the award seasons, right? And they they tend to like those best of type things. So maybe I just be your I ticket. really thought either the roast of Quinn David Furness or when we brought on our political correspondent Nick Albano to talk politics. I thought one of those two episodes was really going to fly high, but I don't know. You know, you just got to keep grinding. You know, that's how you know LeBron James got to the NBA and stuff. He didn't let the haters detract from him so i don't know maybe i'll make it to the nba one day we'll see rest in peace ron baker he got cut from the knicks this past week oh poor yeah. guy is jeremy lynn still in the nba by the way maybe mm. i don't know i can't say i've watched an nba game yet this year yeah. there's not that much to watch when you're a bulls fan it's no. pretty ugly so yeah Uh, but now we're fortunate to be joined by uh, a fellow podcaster who's been on the Beantown podcast once. It was a Beantown Unplugged special you might have listened to by the name of The Roast of Quinn David Furness, one of our more popular entries from year one. Sister, I think you came on, you told one joke, 
It was almost as short as you are. It was still pretty funny, though. <laughs> uh, sis, how are you feeling today? What's going on? Fantastic. It's been my dream to be on the podcast, and I finally get to do it. I woke up, and he said, hey, you're on the podcast today. Not giving me a lot of things to go off of today. Well, yesterday we found a gecko named Gary. Jack caught him underneath the bed. And his mom made us let him go. Um, we talked to him for a little bit, saw his little beady eyes, his ears, his breathing. Um, as I recall, Walt and I... Um, may have killed you and Jack in a game of 500 yesterday. I'm not quite sure. Walt's another fellow podcast person, follower, liker, and he's also our brother. First podcast, then brother. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, sister Sally. So you brought up the concept of geckos. I like where you're going with that. Now, we've been in need of an animal expert on the Bean Tom podcast for about a year now. We're not going to be able to get any live animals in here uh, right now unless mom finishes her glass of breakfast bourbon. But sister, why don't you take us through the five uh, different kind of categories of animals and, and share with us which one uh, is your favorite. You got your mammals. What makes a mammal? They don't lay eggs in the warm blood of. They have fur, skin, hair. Hair. Um, you got your reptiles. They have like scales. A snake. A lizard. Cold blow. Now, who would your favorite Spider-Man villain that uh, doubles as a reptile be? I've only ever watched Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire. Now, in The Amazing Spider-Man, Dr. Connors, who does he turn into? I've never seen Amazing Spider-Man. Not a huge fan of Andrew Garfield. We just caught one yesterday. Oh, a gecko. Lizard. Lizard. So, in the amazing Spider-Man, starring Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, you know it, you love it. Dr. Kurt Connors, who doubles as Peter Parker's, this is all true, Peter Parker's uh, professor at, I believe, Columbia? I'm not sure. I think that's where he goes to college in the comics. So we have to double check on that. We'll get our comics books correspondent on that. But Dr. Kurt Connors turns into a lizard, and he's crazy because Peter Parker's, like, chopping his arms off, and they keep regurgitating, and he's in the subway. And I don't remember how they eventually kill him, but I think they trap him in a glass menagerie or something. Okay, so we got mammals. We got reptiles. Where are we going next? My favorite, the amphibians. There are frogs in there in the amphibian family. So those are fun. Um, 
Salamanders. I thought we caught a salamander yesterday, but it wasn't. It was a gecko. So that means a, a gecko, a reptile, and a salamander, an amphibian. I could be wrong that the gecko is a reptile. It could be an amphibian. But who's to say? Who knows? Could be both. Amphibian. Where does that term make it come from? Frogs. But in a larger sort of classification sense. Frogs. What about the word amphibious? Got nothing. All right. Thanks for teaching us Latin roots, Mom. Uh, let's go on to number four. So we've done mammals, reptiles, amphibians. We're looking at two other sort of classifications of animal. Which one are you feeling next? Fungi. Funguses that grow on the bottom of your feet. What are some of your favorite edible fungi? Mushrooms. Sister does like the shrooms. Reminds me of a college I went to once. Uh, boy, now we're, this is like, there's a lot of whispering, cross-talking going on, cross-dressing. Mom finished her breakfast bourbon finally. Uh confusion as to what's going on we got dad going wild on his fantasy football team jack's writing something over there i haven't even had breakfast yet so we've done reptiles amphibians mammals fun guy and we got our our birds our fish our well they're separate but i'm just listing off now well there's more than five Turkey, um, a duck, mm. geese aren't that good, they're also scary. Let me tell you, one time at Rock Valley College, walking to my class, a geese started chasing me and came at me, and the swan also started, started chasing people too, it was not a good day. Um, what other good I don't, that's the only birds I eat. Chicken. I guess those are birds. Chicken. You ever had a Cornish game hen? Not that I know of. So where did you have a geese? Um, may not have ever actually had one. I feel like Grandpa Uncle Andy may have had one for us to try. So this is more of a judge a book by its cover, judge a geese by its cover, I guess. Well... Sister Sally, do you have any other uh, parting words for the podcast before we hear a word from our sponsors? Friends, go like, prescribe, follow, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. I would like to tell all the listeners that I've only been awake for maybe 15, 20 minutes, and I'm still drinking my coffee. So things seem a little hazy, because they are a bit hazy for me right now. Um, like, just subscribe, listen, share, and have a great day, folks.
Ma, welcome back to the podcast. How are you feeling today? How was the bourbon? It, it was outstanding. Thanks, Quinn. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Now, Ma, you mentioned coming on the podcast for the second time. You were really looking to ramp it up a little bit, maybe talk about something you got over there on your iPad. But uh, first, I think you wanted to mention the U.S. education system. So what about education? Yeah, do it. And how do you feel about proficiency versus growth versus prosciutto? Um, I've always been a big fan of prosciutto. I especially like it thinly sliced, sauteed till it's crispy with some asparagus. Or it's really good with shredded Brussels sprouts as well. A little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper. Can't be beat. All right, that's pretty good. Now, you got something over there on your screen that you're looking to plug. Walk us through that. Well, first, I'd like to um, reiterate, Quinn, that I'm a big fan of having um, a letter of the podcast, meaning that you would feature a letter with each podcast. And I, I did float a few letters by you in the last few days. I, I brought up J, obviously, for my first name. I brought up Q after you. And then I, I also brought up the often under-recognized schwa sound. Now, I think there was confusion over schwa versus schwashtaka and it being festivus and all in the holidays. We didn't want to offend anybody. I think the concern is also getting slapped with a subpoena from Sesame Street uh, regarding the usage of their copyrighted materials. So we're going to see uh, how this segment goes. But I will say, uh, Ma, if we're dealing with Greek letters here, and you get rid of the common ones, the alpha, the betas, the omegas, uh, quick sketch idea that I've mentioned before, we're still working through, a Christian fraternity called Alpha Omega, and all of their fun hijinks and hazings and crucifixions and stuff, uh, but Ma, what are some of your favorite Greek letters? I've always been a big fan of theta. What does that one look like? Um, well, it's Greek. It's all Greek to me. You know, that's what they say. Mama, Mia, Opa. Uh, I don't know, Ma. Is there anything else that you were really looking to, to, to talk about, maybe engage in some discourse on while you were here or something? Maybe spoken word? If you want to do a, recite a psalm or something? Well... I was thinking that we could all take a moment and just observe a little moment of silence here in honor of the government shutdown, a little over 24 hours here with our government employees not being paid for the work they're expected to do, especially the TSA agents who are going to have to be checking us back through for our flight back to the Pacific Northwest. Pretty upset about that. Um, yeah, I think that would be appropriate. All right, 24 seconds in honor of 24 hours of, although it's like 31 hours at this point, um, more like 34. So 34 seconds of silence.
I can hardly hold my breath for that long. I felt like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 5, Rogue Nation, probably one of my six favorite Mission Impossible movies. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned TSA Mom because that brings me back to something that I actually really wanted to talk about on this episode, maybe some distancing that needs to happen. So a couple weeks ago, we had our holiday season correspondent, Megan, on the podcast, and you know she's great. We had a good time, but something that's not so great about Megan is her disdain for actress, celebrity, and just overall hottie, Emily Blunt, now starring in Mary Poppins Returns, uh, thanks to Disney. Go check it out in theaters everywhere now. So I just wanted to come out publicly and say that the views of Megan, our holiday season correspondent, do not reflect the views of the Beantown podcast or its creator or host. Emily, if you're listening to this, congrats on the movie. Tell John, say hi, hope the kids are doing all right. You're beautiful, never change. Megan, you need to readjust your priorities here. Maya, you have any thoughts on that? I, I'm crazy about Emily Blunt. I think she's amazing. Yeah, and if you ever get the chance to see Denis Villeneuve's 20, uh, what was that, 14, 15 film, Sicario, you're going to want to check it out. It's got Josh Brolin. It's got um, Del Toro. Is that his name? And it's got Emily Blunt. Mom, did you say it was terrible? Yeah. All right. We need some insights on that. I just didn't care for it. I fell asleep after about the first 10 minutes. We're talking about Sicario, yeah. right? Yeah. Denis Villeneuve. Ma, it's one of the most riveting, intense films of all time. In the first 10 minutes, there's a huge game changer. How can you sleep through that? Quinn, I've been known to sleep through some of the most um, highly acclaimed movies of all time and some of the worst. You should ask your dad about My Private Arizona, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Nicolas Cage won an Oscar for that, so shout out to him. I don't know how you sleep through an Oscar-winning performance, but... Uh, I will say on the topic, I'm glad you brought up Denis Villeneuve, Mom, because I was just on a subreddit last night, and we were talking about Prisoners, the critically acclaimed, what was that, 2000-something movie, Hugh Jackman, Paul Dano, Terrence Howard, Jake Gyllenhaal in the role of a lifetime. Fantastic. If you fell asleep during Sicario, you won't fall asleep during Prisoners. That's the Beantown guarantee. Uh, so, Denis, if you're listening to this, hope Dune's going well. Looking forward to seeing what you do with it next year. All right. My any uh, parting thoughts here on the holiday podcast? I think in the future, Quinn, you should have a featured special recurring um, that talks about um, undervalued and, and under-discussed literary devices. Like what? I'm thinking of Mononymy. That would be a good one. Synecdoche is another fave. Um, we were having a family discussion, a really hot family discussion yesterday about assonance and consonance and, and the value of alliteration. I will say most of those just sound like little towns in Wisconsin, so I'm not sure if mom actually has real terms or if she's just kind of doing a little Lake Wobegon type of storytelling there.
but uh, I also gave a really special gift. So my my dad, my dad's side of the family, this is who we go to see. And my aunt lives in uh, Des Moines, but she came down to Texas. My uncle lives in Austin. He came down to Corpus for a couple of days. So in terms of gift giving, aunts and uncles, they, they can always be tricky. They can always be tricky. That doesn't make any sense. They are tricky. You know, these are people I see probably like once every other year. I don't know them very well because I've never lived in the same town as them. Uh, we're Facebook friends, but still that doesn't really do a ton. Um, so we're thinking, okay, what do we get? Well, for my uncle, it's easy. He's a big fan of beer and just uh, anything fermented in general. And so we get him, uh, my brother and I go to the liquor store, get him some fancy beers. I don't know. I let my brother pick that stuff out because he knows all about that, and I don't have any knowledge of that stuff. But my aunt is the tricky one. She doesn't drink. Uh, and I don't know what else. So my siblings went on and on and on deliberating amongst themselves over what to get Aunt Stacy for Christmas. And, you know, honestly, after like five conversations of like, well, we could do this, but she might not like that or we could get that. This group needed a leader and not the German song type. I'm talking about Quinn David Furness, host of the Beantown podcast. So I step up and I say, you know what, fam? I got you. I got you. So I go to the grocery store, and I'm thinking, okay, what are the Christmas gifts that really leave a lasting impact, that you really enjoy years after that Christmas has passed? And I'm thinking, you know, it's the type of gift that you were never expecting, but it makes you laugh. It has long-term health benefits, and it's absolutely delicious. So it wasn't Swiss cake rolls, it was salami. I'll repeat that again if you didn't hear me. It was salami. Because here's the thing about salami. You don't have it too often. You don't really feel like you need it. But then when you get it, you realize, damn, salami is delicious. You can pair it with cheese and crackers. It fills you up, it's protein, it's perfectly salted. It's a win-win-win-win-win situation. So, Auntie Stacy, I hope you're happy with your salami. Now, I know the next thing you're thinking, well, Quinn, how is she supposed to get that back from Texas to Des Moines, Iowa, if she's flying? This crossed my mind. Here was my uh, justification, if you will. Auntie Stacy, from the time we gave gifted her the salami to the time she was flying. She had a full week. So I'm thinking, you know, if I'm me, I'm, I'm eating a whole roll of salami in one sitting. Auntie Stacy, maybe she's a quarter of that pace. She's still got a whole week to do the salami. And uh, turns out she did not have it while she was in Texas. She took the risk and went through TSA with it. Now, here is where my responsibility for the Christmas gifts ends because you had a full week Auntie Stacy if you're listening to this to eat the salami you even had Grandma Sal and Grandpa Dave there to help you out but I digest 
Um, she takes it through TSA. This is according to her Facebook post. And gets buzzed, gets dinged, which I didn't even know TSA was working through the government shutdown. Good for those guys. But um, she's a, a long story short, yada, yada, yada. She's able to get it through. Everything works out okay. Everyone's happy. So um, that's the story of Auntie Stacy's 2018 Christmas gift. Hope you're happy. Hope it's delicious. Well, if you made it this far, congratulations. Welcome back. This is Quinn Davis Furness, and we are actually, not really, but actually coming to you live. This is the most recent uh, that you're here and coming out first weekend in January. We are back to real time here, 2019. That was the year one special. I spent a lot of time on it, uh, but I also couldn't have done any of it without the friends, the fans, the family. I want to give a shout out to absolutely everybody who uh, participated, engaged with us, whether you tweeted uh, at us, whether you emailed us, whether you bought tour shirts, whether you came on as an interview guest, maybe you gave money uh, to support the Pledge Drive fundraiser, uh, maybe you even you know hosted us when we were on tour, all that and more, more, more. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for your support. Uh, year one, this was truly a grassroots thing, just a pudgy six-foot-tall white guy in his apartment starting a a show and and having some fun with it. So thanks again to everyone. Um, This has been Quinn David Furness, year one Beantown Podcast in review special. As we oftentimes like to do on the Beantown Podcast, we're going to get us uh, closed out here with a little song, and then uh, the rest will be history. And we will see you for 
year two and a lot of great things to come. So everyone enjoy, be safe, and we'll check in on you next week.